Things. Yeah, it's that time once again for them boys from 607 Podcast to talk all things pro wrestling and call it right down the middle. That's right, it's time for this week's edition of 607 Podcast presents the wrestling show, better known as hashtag 607 T-W-S. And of course, we are coming to you from the ODPH Dungeon, the realest thing in pro wrestling. I am your host here on 607 TWS, but you also know me as the host of the 3FN Podcast. My name is Rich, and joining me in the co-pilot's chair as he does each and every week, He's a co-host here, but you better know him as the host of the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour Podcast, better known as the ODPH. I'm talking about Ken M. 607 Podcast fam, what is happening? What is going on? What is good? Let's talk some pro wrestling, shall we? Some pro grappling. Wrestling. Some of that went down this week. Yeah. I I, I want to throw out there, early on, it was a huge week in pro wrestling Mm -hmm. not just not just because of of certain news that came around not just because of you know uh wwe aw the major companies indie wrestling had a huge weekend this weekend i want to give it a quick shout out because we're not going to be able to time restraints we're not going to be able to cover everything there's some thoughts rolling around my head that me and you know ken might toss around to get you some bonus content you're always a good place to get bonus content over at odphpodcast.com blogs count anywhere ken's usually trying to hit up as much extra stuff as he can i'm going to start trying to do some extra stuff whether that's articles or some extra recordings or you know you never know we're mm. going to do we're, we're going to be talking about some things coming up especially after my busy week is over because i have a gigantically busy week with sci-fi horror fest this week i'll be out of town you know doing being the event manager there from thursday through sunday the events friday and saturday but I got to be there for, for multiple days. Right. So I'm going to be away from home. Uh, so I'm going to be doing some stuff up there, but I'm not going to be doing, you know, what we're normally doing. But there's a lot of things that we're going to be stepping into. So the next few weeks, keep your eyes posted, not just to the podcast feed, but also to the websites, which we'll hit up a little later. I already hit up uh, yours. Mm. But there was a ton of wrestling this weekend. So for those of you who didn't, you weren't keeping track, IWTV was your hookup for a lot of it. Uh, I watched most of uh, these shows. Uh, we'll throw it out there. West Coast Pro Wrestling, one of the ones Great that I'm really show. big on. If you're a fan of AEW, Ring of Honor style wrestling, that is one of those companies you should be watching on IWTV because that's what you're going to get. They had their first annual West Coast Cup. Uh, very good event. Check it out. I'm not going to spoil the winner mm-hmm. uh, because I'd like the people to go see it. Right. Also, the same weekend, we had another two-day tournament. Of course, AIW back in the saddle again. First time since 2019, of course, because of the pandemic. But they are back with the uh, JT Lightning Memorial Tournament, or AKA the J Lit. Two days of show. Once again, I'm not going to spoil. Check it out on IWTV. They definitely deserve uh, you to do that. Also, AIW came in with a third show mm-hmm. called Fresh Meat, and they had some of the young talent that's coming out of their school and from around wrestling have some really great matches. Try, you know, it might have been some guys' first matches, but there's other guys on the card where it's they did it a very good way. Cannot wait to see some more of these young, talented kids as they progress in the world of pro wrestling can't speak about it enough uh when we're recording because we record on sundays wrestling revolver is going to be on tonight Yeah, big show so you know they have another big show there's so that's on fight.tv of course gcw which we'll be talking about in the mid card there's so much great wrestling this week and i can't plug enough and when we have things like this happening it means we're going to open up more avenues especially since 
there's a lot more of you listening. So whether that's extra bonus content coming straight to this channel, whether it's the blogs count anywhere, anywhere from ODPH podcast, whether I do a, uh, an article as well, or whether it's some kind of, you know, alternative. Yeah. No matter what, keep your eyes and ears posted. 607 Podcast presents the Wrestling Show, a.k.a. hashtag 607TWS for all your wrestling stuff. Because we are looking forward to not just talking about AEW and New Japan Pro Wrestling and WWE, which we are, mm-hmm. and Game Changer Wrestling, which you know we're a big champion of. Mm-hmm. But we're also looking to talk about more of these indie shows, but there's just not enough time to get all of that in. And like I said, I'd like you guys to check it out. It was worth watching. Trust me. I loved every minute of it. And if you're a deathmatch wrestling fan, ICW is back with no holes barred this weekend. And uh, I'll just say this, a little spoiler, if you're squeamish, you might want to stay away from it because Sadika taking on uh, our good friend Hoodfoot. It looked bad. Hoodfoot took a real bad laceration. Uh, yeah, I heard about that. I have not seen that yet, but I heard about it. Real bad laceration. Uh, not as bad as being knocked out like Kamaru Usman. But oh, my God. Can you believe that? That whole though? mess. I know. This is a wrestling show, not MMA. But oh. Oh. The impossible dream. Yeah. I don't think anybody saw that come in. Although, if you were going to put some money, it wasn't the biggest of. No, he's plus 280. See, Vegas must have known. Vegas must have known there was a chance. Well, you know, typically what they do is base it off strictly the records. That's so true. that so that's where the vibe goes usually for that. So that's why, like for example, Nate Diaz is such a heavy dog against uh, Chimeyev coming up. I might put some money on that just because. Yeah, you never know. Shit happens. I can make some money. Mm-hmm. But anyways, with that being said, before we go any further, let's talk about what you're going to hear on this week's show. Uh, in the main event of the show, we promised third week, part three of The Inconvenient Truth. This is going to focus on WWE. So for all the people out there like, oh, you were really hard on Tony Khan and AEW. I told you to wait. Wait mm-hmm. for it. We're going to be really hard on WWE and some inconvenient truths out that way. You guys are going to want to pay attention to that. Since we had a, a little bit of time to do some editorializing, we did some editorializing. Uh, in, this, in the mid-card of the show, we are going to give you the results from the G1 Climax. G1 Climax is over. We have a winner. We have the, the man who is going to go on to January 4th. We're going to talk all about that. And also during the mid-card, we are going to talk about Game Changer Wrestling Southern Bundle weekend uh, from North Carolina, their debut in North Carolina, and of course their return to Hotlanta. Yes. So we're going to be talking about that in the mid card. But up first, of course, in the opening contest, we will be discussing a recap of what went on on television this week. Uh, we're going to touch on uh, one of the greatest promos I've seen in a while over on WWE Raw. Mm-hmm. We're going to touch upon just kind of how we felt about the WWE's week. Spoiler alert, it's still going in the same direction it was prior. And then, of course, we're going to talk about some all-elite wrestling. More importantly, we will get to the CM Punk issue, because I know that's the hot buzz. We will weigh in with our opinions on that. But before we jump into the show, Ken M, let the fine folks know how to find yourself in the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour podcast. Very simple. Swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join the conversation on social media accounts. They're all right there on the front page. Parlay points block section is definitely taking off right now. As Rich alluded to, there is a brand new blocks count anywhere up right now. Talking Impact Wrestling Circle 6 and a little AEW news that I think definitely deserves a little more attention than it got this week. Just my personal opinion. The T Public Store. The Patreon, which is up and running now officially. And thank you to everybody who signed up thus far. Patreon.com slash ODPH podcast. So you definitely want to go check that out. And for anything and everything that is the ODPH, you can find it at ODPHpodcast.com. Hey. I was the first to sign up. Yes, you were. Thank you so much. I just want to point that out. I'm not just the president 
I'm also the client. Uh, with that being said, though, if you want to find out anything about the 3FN Podcast, it's simple. Go to 3FNPodcast.com. If you haven't visited in a while, things, like I said, were under construction. Myself and Ken M did a little bit of work, so there's some new stuff in mm-hmm. uh, the process. You can listen to 607TWS right there on a player. You can li- you've always been able to listen to 3FN Podcast on a player. It's there. The new logos are up. Uh, you know, you can also now listen to the ODPH from a player from 3FNPodcast.com. Yes. Of course, the links for everything is there. The Twitter, the Instagram, the everything but the TikTok. But TikTok is at three at three FN podcast on TikTok, but still everything else is there, right? Because uh, they don't they support it, but then I'd have to use an icon, and it's a whole fucking to do. Get better, by the way. Listen, Squarespace. I've been with you for a long time. <laughs> and I know this is not a way to get promoted by Squarespace, but maybe if they're listening, uh, there's just certain things that you have on your website building that we should be able to do. Like we should be able to change the color of the background on every page. That'd be nice. Yeah. You know, I, I like the green and black because that's the, you know, 3FN uh, logo. It's the new 3FN logo as well. But, like, on the 607 TWS page, I would have loved to do that in, like, a red and white. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of mix it up a little bit because of the logo being red, white, and black. <sighs> just You know, there's just little things. Little things. Also, being able to upload just videos to your own website would be nice instead of having to upload them to YouTube or Vimo first. Yeah, that's a that's, little that's, tricky that's, that's, a, that's a pain in the ass as well. I know they're yeah. doing some revamping, yeah. but if you're taking notes... Uh, make sure I send them a launch you. But yes, other than that, I'm happy with Squarespace. Very easy. Very point, easy to use. Point and click. Point mm-hmm. and click, baby. But anyways, with that being said, uh, the the Patreon link for us is there. Patreon.com slash 3FM podcast. If you want to join for as little as $1 a month, get a ton of extra bonus content, uh, including uh, we just recorded as we're recording today, our Patreon-only exclusive review of Bodies, Bodies, Ooh. Bodies. You're, you're going to want to hear that one, I promise you. And of course, you get the 3FM podcast early each and every week. Plus, it's the uncut, unedited, unedited. Uncooked edition, so you get bonus stuff, all the diesel you can handle, yeah. and so much more over at uh, patreon.com slash 3FN podcast. Of course, also T Public uh, stores there and everything else. I just wanted to go into a long list of things because I'm uh, excited that we fixed some of the stuff on the website. No longer do we have way outdated <laughs> stuff. I think the writing synopsis uh, for the SEO on the 607 TWS page was still mentioning 3FNW. Yes. So that should tell you how long ago. <laughs> That was legendary. I updated that, so I got I got to stay on top of these things. But as everybody knows, I'm not I'm not the big website guru. We got a lot of stuff going on, <laughs> and I, I'm busy. Yeah, I'm exactly. Busy. That's what I was trying to tell people, and they're like, "Oh, you update this today." I'm like, "Do you understand our schedules?" Not to kind of not to do a humble brag, but between blogs, shows, streams. You name it, and some other things coming down the road too, dude. I got I got so much going on. Like I, I just got to throw it out there every week. You know, you get six oh seven TWS. It's a couple hours of my time. Uh, it's three three FN podcast. A couple hours of my time. You know, you mm. obviously with the ODPH two shows. A couple hours of your time apiece. So you know, I, I you know, we spend about four hours, if not more, podcasting. Yeah. Then on top of that, there's always, you know, a Patreon exclusive show because we do 3FN After Dark twice a month. Right. We do We Love Movies once a month. Those are your exclusives. So those shows eh, tend to run about an hour. So that's three extra hours. I know it's over a month, but so some weeks, you know, you're doing five or six hours of podcasting. Then on top of that, Sci-Fi Horror Fest. I'm doing the event managing there, so I'm going to be there all weekend. Uh, then we go to other conventions and wrestling shows to bring you guys the best content we can. We watch wrestling shows and mm-hmm. stuff to bring you the best content. We go to the movie theater to watch movies, to review movies, because I have a movie review fucking podcast. Yeah. You know, and I'm not complaining. I love doing all of it. I'm just saying that when people are like, well, what about this on the website? I'm like, would you prefer that or the podcast? And usually, I would say 98% of the time, they're like, I would yeah. prefer the podcast. So I always put the podcast in front of everything else and then let the chips fall where they may. 
Yes. So there you go. That's the little peek behind the curtain, if you will. But that's enough about us. That's enough about the nonsense we talk. I think, Ken M, you know exactly. It's time! That's right. It's time to kick off this week's episode of 607TWS. And uh, let's uh, start off with a recap, because like, like I said, every week we do a recap, we, we give you previews, we give you reviews, we give you some op-eds, we give our opinions on news. We're going to start with a quick recap. We're not going to go over the winners and losers and everything like that from the, the week that was on televised wrestling. We're just going to kind of hit some high spots, and if there's low spots, or whatever our opinions were. And I'm going to say, man, Raw and SmackDown, still on the incline. Mm-hmm. Great. Uh, the Triple H effect in full effect. We're seeing a lot of uh, fresh stuff for those shows, and I'm, I'm here for it. And speaking of fresh stuff, and I think that pretty much really what exemplifies everything going on in World Wrestling Entertainment currently was a certain promo, certain segment between Kevin Owens and Drew McIntyre. Yes. Once again, Triple H seems to not only be building up shows, not only building up divisions like the women's division and the titles like the U.S. title and the Intercontinental title, he seems to be trying to create from the top down a a tiered list, getting a main event picture where we have main event players ready to challenge for the belt. So far in that main event, we obviously have the main event of, uh, you know, uh, Castle. Yeah, okay. Yeah, whatever the title is. Yeah, whatever the hell it is. The UK show. Yes. So we have that. We have that. Class of the Castle. Thank you. Damn, I'm, I, I can't believe I forgot that. I'm leaving that shit in because we make mistakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, you have that main event, which is Roman and Drew McIntyre, both main event guys. Of course, since then, we've spawned in the return of Karrion Cross in the main event picture. Now we've got Kevin Owens, which we're going to talk about it sadly in that main event picture. We're starting to see this main event floor built. We're also starting to see like this, this prestige to the belts, like we talked about with Lashley taking on uh, you know, Ciampa, then Matt Lashley taking on AJ. Uh, AJ Styles for the United States title, the Intercontinental title on the line in a big bad way with a, one of the best matches I've seen on television in a while between Gunther and uh, Shinsuke Nakamura, mm-hmm. and we're seeing a different style for these guys. But I think... The shots that we have been waiting for weeks to be fired. I mean, we've gotten you know a little more from Michael Cole in the booth and Corey Graves on the in the in the booth as well. Like these guys are being able to call more. You see a little bit of unchained. You see a little bit of unchained in the promos. But I think it was really on notice and upfront this week. Kevin Owens comes out and cuts an amazing promo mm-hmm. about it's been five years since he's held the title in WWE. Five years. He busts his ass, the blood, the sweat, and the tears, and he's tired of taking a back seat. He is now letting the entire locker room know that if you have a title, if you have a belt, and he did say belt, there is a big X on your back. I'm coming. I don't care if you're United States champion. Don't care if you're tag champion. Don't care if you're intercontinental champion. I don't care if you're the WWE uh, undisputed universal champion. Don't care. You have it. So, And he came out to Drew McIntyre and said, hey, so it doesn't matter to me if you or Roman Reigns walks out of Clash of the Castle with this title. Just know there's a target on your back. I thought it was a great Kevin Owens promo. Before we kick over to Drew McIntyre's portion of this, how'd you feel about the Kevin Owens promo? Absolutely perfect. I thought that this was the true test. It's just somebody giving a couple bullet points and saying fill in the rest. And he nails it to the, to the letter. This is something that he has always excelled at. And you can go through his time in the indies. He's always been great on the mic. But not having to really tone it down for other writers and such. This is the true emotion that poured out of him. 
I agree. I agree. Next up, Drew McIntyre gets a rebuttal. Yes. And for those people who think that Drew McIntyre cannot cut a promo, <laughs> once again, I'll go with what you said. You could tell it was bullet points, and he got to say what he wanted. And I love the fact that he said, listen, stop with this nonsense. I hate hearing this nonsense. Even though Kevin didn't bring it up, obviously you can tell he's bothered that I was the chosen one. You know what? That, that might have been true back years ago. Then I got my ass fired. I had to go out there, pull myself up by my bootstraps, work hard, get in this condition, make a name for myself, get hired back, and then claw my way to the top to become WWE champion. I don't want to hear anything about chosen or handed anything because that isn't the case. And then he said what we, I think what made the internet buzz, the the biggest thing was Drew McIntyre says, hey, I don't care if you're a prize fighter. I don't care if you're a sports entertainer. We are wrestlers in a wrestling ring. So let's wrestle. Yes. You saw shockwaves go around. And rightfully so, because Drew's promo, I thought was a little better than Kevin's, because I thought he had a lot to say that he's been meaning to say. Like, this has been building up a little bit. And I think it's because he's been hearing, you know, from the internet, okay, we were the chosen one, the first title run, might not have lived up to their expectations, so to speak, but obviously different times going on. This is him just venting to everybody and saying, if you don't understand why I take this so serious and why I'm going to be the next world champion and feel that emotion pouring out of him. Like these are the moments that he really connects to one, the WWE universe that might've forgotten about him and two, the new audience has now turned on since triple H has been there. Absolutely. I agree with you hundred percent. Listen, the fire in the belly of Drew McIntyre is what he needs. Yes. He needs to make everybody fall in love with him for being who he is. Like People like him. People cheer for him. The universe marks, the drones, whatever you want to call them. Mm-hmm. They love them some Drew McIntyre, and that's fine. But he has to show those casual fans or the fans that are on the fence that he's the guy that can run this company. He can be a top face in this company. And I think that promo is one of those pieces because he he really went after every detractor. Yeah, He went after everybody who says anything bad about him on the internet. He went after anybody who says anything bad about him in promos. And now the guys are getting a little more liberty in promos. Remember, Roman Reigns kind of cut that. Carrying Cross definitely said, I'm tired of these chosen ones. They don't mm-hmm. understand. And painted the picture of he's the guy that got his ass fired for nothing more than just not, you know, wanting to be in a portrayal of some cartoon character. Right. So, hey, I'm going to come back and make you on un- you chosen ones are going to be uncomfortable because I'm the real guy. And I thought that was a great promo. And this is a great answer to that promo. Some would say maybe we're diluting down and, and making too much going on with the Roman and, and McIntyre thing. There is people that are correct. I, I think that's wrong because I think that you, there's enough room to have the sub story where Kevin Owens is making a claim for the title and then fighting Drew McIntyre. I think there's enough room to have Karrion Cross make his return and have an interaction with Drew McIntyre proving that he's in the main event caliber player and still have an interesting match between Roman and Drew McIntyre. That match is going to write itself because Drew Mack is going to be in his home continent. Mm-hmm. Think about it like this. What is the one thing that we always hear from WWE uh, detractors? One, they don't make stars. And two, they don't do long-term booking. What do you think they're doing right now? They're planting seeds for what's going to happen post-Malice uh, at the castle there. Or Clash, Clash the castle. castle. They're planting for Drew to have some programs set up where they're now building up Karrion Cross to be a main event player on the WWE programming uh, schedule. He's going to be one of those main event guys. Kevin Owens has always been a plug-and-play guy, and there's nothing wrong with this, but now he's going to get the chance to run with the ball. 
Now there's going to be some storyline invested that you, the casual fan that has been so turned off by the cookie-cutter approach that the former regime had, now you've got a lot of different options to go with. Now we have something fresh to watch on the show. Now we have a reason to be invested in all of these wrestlers. This is a perfect way to set this up. For, so for anybody that's saying it's too much, I don't think so. It's, it's taken nothing away. Roman is Roman. Roman has been champion for how many days now? Enough said. It's over 700. Yeah. You, I mean, at the end of the day, he's the longest reigning champion uh, in the modern era. Right. So you don't need a storyline with him. He writes it himself because it's just who's the next contender. And for Drew, it's the story of coming back after he's been fired and after going through the first run. And now he got a little lost in the shuffle, and now he's coming back. And you can hear it in his voice. You can feel that passion coming through him. He's ready for this moment, and he knows what's at stake when they do the U.K. show. This is perfect setup, and we just have to see the delivery. But I have no problem with them doing multi-layered stuff because if they want to go to it, if they have to change direction for whatever reason, you planted those seeds you just have to make it grow. Well, yeah, they're creating a star in uh, Karrion Cross. Mm-hmm. They're going to be creating more stars. I mean, listen, they're they're setting it up. That women's division's looking kind of look kind of thick. Yeah, I'm not talking about the looks of anybody. I'm talking about it's it's robust. Mm-hmm. The probably the most robust it's been in a long time, quite some time. And then you know, I I'm I'm of the opinion that Triple H going across the board. I think that he might be trying to make the uh, tag team division a little more robust as well. I, I think he's trying to bring back prestige to all these belts and all these people and things that have been run down over the years mm-hmm. under the uh, dictatorship, if you will, of, of Vince McMahon. And now we're starting to write the wrestling world for the wrestling fans. Once again, there's some negatives and positives this that we'll be talking about in the main event for sure. the Inconvenient Truth. But for the most part, you got to give the devil his due currently to Triple H. Doing the Lord's work. Like, once again, we had some really good uh, first-round matches Mm -hmm. for the women's tag team tournament. I mean, obviously, because of injury, we ended up getting Toxic Attraction switched to uh, show up on SmackDown. And Toxic Attraction wins. Yeah. So moves on, and that's great. So now we have a, a, a semifinal match with Toxic Attraction, and I think that was the right call to make. I mean, at first, everybody's like, oh, well, everybody, they finally saw their meetings. No, there was some injury. Mm-hmm. They said, okay, instead of putting on a half-ass show, let's bring up somebody good. And since they're up, we might as well let them put on a show. Yeah, absolutely. Now, the smart way to build that up, and especially for developing the new stars to the main event universe. Yeah, absolutely. Like, that's the one thing we have to say, the main roster universe. This is a perfect way to introduce them because they got a big win. They're now on the radar. We just got to see what happens next. But I don't doubt I'm going to the finals. And then we had a big NXT event on Tuesday. Yes, we did. Where we go, uh, I think we're going back to the era of building stars. Mm-hmm. And then we have this influx from NXT UK, which is going to be no more. Yeah. It's going to be NXT Europe. There's going to be a little shutdown period. It's going to be NXT Europe. They let some people uh, out of their contracts due to the fact that there's going to be some reconditioning contracts, et cetera, et cetera. So some of them might not be coming back. Everybody seemed to be fine with this. Of course, there was some detractors on the internet saying, okay, f- firing people from jobs. But once again, they're free to now work in yeah. the UK, which is thriving right now. If people don't know the UK wrestling scene, it's thriving, it's and a booming. lot of them are probably happy to go back to that. But at the same time, I'm sure you'll see some of them back anyways. There's probably a lot of them that were told, hey, if we're not bringing you over to America right now, you know, if you want to go somewhere else, 
you can do that. But if you, you know, go and work the indies and stuff, you never know what might be giving you a call back because they're reshuffling a house. Yeah. And it is what it is. And like I said, I'm not a guy that likes to see people getting fired, but they weren't. They're just let out of the contracts. And at the same point, juncture, sometimes I think that's best for the talent as well. I don't think that this was done out of spite. That's why I don't think you've heard too many people make too many balls about it. Mm. Uh, you know, like when Vince was just letting people go for budget reasons. Yeah. Or maybe it was the slush fund for his... <laughs> <laughs> sexual pre- uh, reasons you know <laughs> yeah but uh you know it's still however you want to cut it however you want to i think this was a, a good time for that so it's cool to see an expansion to nxt they had a great show reminding us of what it was like when nxt was firing on all cylinders i i truly expect to see uh carmelo hayes coming up to the main roster Matter at some point Matter and i time. also uh, i'm thinking uh legato there will yeah, also San- be coming santos up escobar in in company because I think if you're looking at a tag team, you have that you have a tag team set there, plus you have a nice single star in Santos Escobar. Yeah. So I think that there was a lot of cool telling things over there on NXT. Good event for them, first in a while. Mm-hmm. And, of course, we also got the news that uh, Shawn Michaels is now the executive in charge of NXT. Yeah, so this is going to be interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Big move for him. So it's going to be interesting to see how he does moving forward here. Detractions from Raw and SmackDown and NXT. There was, of course, some bad matches. Sure. I shouldn't say bad. I don't think anything was really truly bad, but there were some that were better than others. There were some segments you're like, ah, why the fuck? Uh, I liked how they continued on the Dexter Loomis stuff. But for the most part, you know, the shows just to feel better. It's harder to judge these shows because these shows feel, I remember we're not watching for two and a half years and occasionally just tuning in for a minute and seeing how bad it was to going to now that even when there's a little drag in the show, it's it's better. So it's it's rose-colored glasses still. This is still the honeymoon phase. I'm sure the breakdowns will be a lot worse going in the future. And that's not saying that it's going to get worse there. It's just saying that there's going to be things that bother you more. Well, that's the one thing that we all need to realize is everything's great now because we've had such crap before. So now we're here and the stuff that we'll be analyzing three, six months from now, yeah, they'll be a little louder because, you know, what? by this time, those should be worked out. And if they're still not, then we go from there. Agreed. Uh, the other thing I want to throw out there is, uh, listen. This is going to be a reoccurring thing. It's going to come up through the inconvenient truth. It's going to come up during the mid card when we cover GCW and New Japan. It's going to keep. It's going to come up in, in AEW as well. And this is just kind of a reoccurring thing. And we've. We, it's a crusade we're on here. Mm-hmm. It's a crusade. And I'm going to put it this way because I don't want to beat the drum too hard. But listen, if you have to add a yeah but onto everything, are you really being a fan? Just stop watching. Exactly. Like, and and, and this is what I mean. You can't you. If we come out here and I say these good things and great things, and then I detract from certain things, that's fine. That's criticism. Mm. That's an opinion. But overall, I'm still happy to be a fan and watch. And some some weeks I might not be. Some weeks I might be like, this was a bad week. We'll have to wait till see you next week. If, if, if it becomes a trend, it becomes how Raw has been previous to the Triple H administration. Yeah. However, when you see every week there's a different goalpost movement for WWE. So, like, yeah, the shows are better, but, you know, the camera's still crap yeah the shows are better but they still did the no finish in this match which was for storyline purposes Mm -hmm. that's fine whatever yeah the show was better but now they're they're having their wrestling matches are too long that was the new one this week yeah i saw that long because they gave 15 and a half minutes to a lot of the matches got 10 minutes plus but i i can't remember i think it was the women's tag match on Raw, got 15 and a half minutes. I believe you're right. And people were upset about that for some reason. I don't understand that. <laughs> but whatever. It doesn't make any sense, but that's the whole thing. If, if you're trying to you know, really get out the magnifying glass and really try digging to find something, 
honestly, at that stage, you really have to make that call. Like, why are you wasting your time unless you're trying to spin some other narrative? And that's what it boils down to. And uh, yeah, but. But yeah. let's get to AEW. Okay. I think that's the big news that everybody wants to hear us talk about before we get there. The show itself was better than it's been in the past few weeks. I still don't think it's 100%. However, I will say this. The Daniel Garcia versus Brian Danielson match was superb. Yes. Very good match. Uh, I don't. Nothing on the two wrestlers. I didn't like the three commercial breaks during the match. I think if uh, the new Game of Thrones show was sponsoring, they should have sponsored for no commercials. Uh, that would be my opinion. I don't know what Tony Khan worked out, but as a bit, you know, we just saw a couple weeks ago WWE got no commercials because a sponsor paid for it. You can get a sponsor to pay for it. Not to mention the sponsor is the person who owns the channel technically, yeah. because it's a it's a WWE Discovery project, and so isn't. TBS, so they should have just gone commercial free, especially if they were doing that two out of three falls match. But that has nothing to do with the talent. That has nothing to do with the match as a friend. That's just my own personal take. The match itself, very good. Very, very good. I think that anybody out there that, and there's still some people out there that are shitting on Daniel Garcia's in ring work are, are, are foolish. They're dumb. You, I'm just going to say it that I, I don't care. You're dumb if you don't know, realize that this kid is super talented in that ring. This kid has got it. I mean, I know the only thing that you can argue about is the character, per se, the the charisma. But listen, he goes in those ropes, and he does work. And if he can hang with Brian Danielson and really push Danielson, that's telling. And he did. And I agree with you. I The picture-in-picture stuff, the past couple of weeks, in my opinion, they really kind of need to choose where they're going to do this. During the main events and during when they do it during the main events has been really detracting. And I think that especially during the two out of three falls match, there was one time too that I really thought was like the worst time possible they could have done it. I believe it was one of the submission holes. Yes. And I'm just going, you're right. At this stage, if you really wanted to make this the big fight feel that it should have been because you were tying in the House of the Dragon with the Dragon versus uh, Dragon Slayer, that's the time you go commercial free. If you're going to open it up, you have to open up with that match. And just eight to nine is commercial free. Let them go. Have a long, drawn-out intro if you really want to do something to stretch that time. But that's what should have been given here. Absolutely. And, of course, in the main event, we got the return of Kenny Omega Mm -hmm. as he joined the Young Bucks recreating the Elite. The actual The Elite. The The, the Elite. elite. To take on uh, Faction de Ingrenables or Los Ingrenables. Um, You know... I thought it was a good match. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, Kenny's got a little bit of ring rust. Yes. I'm not going to hold that against him. Uh, wrestling with a shirt on was kind of weird for me, but I'm sure he's not. I'm sure in his, I'm sure he's in better shape than most of us, and I'm not talking, let's not get on this whole body, whatever, but I'm assuming he's wearing the shirt because he obviously feels uncomfortable himself. Mm-hmm. And I don't blame him because, you know, you're coming back from injury. He, he was definitely a little bit of a step off. He even knew that. He, he, he addressed it straight on. Got to love Kenny Omega for that. But I still thought he looked good for a return match. He still did all the things that we were looking for in him. Uh, some of them weren't as crisp, but he hasn't been in the ring in nine months. Right. It wasn't his best match, obviously, but we all have to remember that. The, the problem is that we all remember him as the best bout machine, and he will get back there. It's just a matter of time. But this is just kind of telling that he was just off a of hair here and there, but nothing to really take away from the performance in there. Another really good match. I, I, I dug the match. The only problem I had was the end of the match. Yeah. I didn't get the whole, I don't know if it was an accident that uh, Dragon, uh, Dragon Lee. Lee's mask came off or if that was on purpose. Uh, it's kind of weird. I also didn't like the fact that it, it took away from the TV product. I understand when the cameras went off, Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks made the save for Dragon Lee, and then Kenny Omega spoke to the crowd. Fine with that. 
But you got to remember, there, you have to also serve the TV audience. And I don't know if just beating down Dragon Lee from the aspect of a fan watching for one loss was really, I don't know. I, I just, that's just my personal. Taking nothing away from the match, the post match is what bothered me. And if you did that post match just to set up for the post show, you should have done that off camera time. Yeah. And I understand they were trying to sell like the bonus footage on Rampage. I, I understand what they were trying to do with that, but it just it wasn't clicking with me. No, I agree with you. I, it's just something that's just a little detraction. Once again, match was fantastic. I liked it. Once again, I'm not going to crucify a guy who's not wrestled for roughly nine months mm-hmm. for not being as crisp on a Snapdragon. Yeah. That's stupid. I'm not going to crucify him because he wore a T-shirt. I heard somebody be, or not T-shirt, uh, compression shirt. I'm not going to crucify him for that. I'm sure that there's a reason. I'm sure maybe even in, even if he's in 100% great condition, he might in his own head feel a little off. That's fine. You, the only thing I care about is how he did in the ring. And for making his first time back in nine months, I thought he did pretty good. No, pretty I agree. Good. I agree. I mean, the fact that he's back, I mean, that's the one thing that we all have to remember with that too. Of course, uh, by the way, I want to give you your victory lap. Uh, you did call it. Tony Storm is now officially... Uh, the number one contender and is getting a shot at the AEW Women's World Championship at All Out. So congratulations, you called that. Thank you, thank you. I had a feeling they were setting that up because I, when she was paired with Thunder Rosa, it just reminded me of Y2AJ. Like you knew it wasn't going to last, and this is a perfect way to set this up. Obviously, they went a real roundabout way to get here, but I'm happy with this, and I'll make the early prediction now. I knew. Uh, that's I think that's the only way you can. Once again, we'll be talking about that show next week to preview it, but. I do want to say this. What bothers me here is that where is the internet outrage? Mm-hmm. Once again, I want to point this out to you. Did, did somebody point this out. For the longest time, everybody said about WWE doing the same matches over and over and over again. This is the second pay-per-view in a row that we're going to get Tony Storm versus Thunder Rosa. Yeah. Because it happened at Forbidden Door. So second pay-per-view in a row, Forbidden Door. Now we're going to get it at All Out. And it's just kind of... I. I don't get the storyline buildup for that. Like, it's for me, it, it, I think they should have gone a different way. Oh, I'm agreeing with yeah, you. Yeah, but it's just back-to-back shows is not really a good thing to walk into. It's going to sound bad for me, but why aren't we getting a Britt Baker match? Mm-hmm. Why isn't Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa coming up? Uh, is it, Maybe she's injured? I don't know, because we haven't really seen her wrestle-wrestle in months. Not since she won the Owen Hart tournament. No, she did the tag match with uh, Jamie Hayden. Right, but she didn't really. She wasn't. It's right, not right. a full-on one-on-one match, so maybe she has some nagging injuries. That's fine. Could be. I understand. But it's weird to me that she's in the title picture. She should be. Mm-hmm. She's their top women's star. You could argue that. No, absolutely. No, she is. I argue that. No, she is. So why are we going back-to-back on Tony Storm? If Tony Storm was going to win the belt, why not just do it at Forbidden Door? Why are we doing it again at All Out? I just don't get it. There's so many women in that division that deserve a title shot. We've talked about this ad nauseum, and here we are going back to the well for two matches in a row. And I, for one, I just don't get it. And, I, and once again, it was a good match at Forbidden Door. It'll probably be a good match at All Out. But I No, I agree with you. But then again, this is a track record we've already seen before. Because think about this. Double or nothing. We had the same thing with uh, our, what am I thinking, Revolution, when Thunder Rosa finally won the belt from Burt Baker. Yeah. So, yeah, she lost on the pay-per-view, and then they did it the next night on the Wednesday night. So I think it was Revolution. Yeah, they did it at Revolution, and then they did it at the uh, year anniversary of the St. Paddy's right. Day. Right, yeah, uh, yeah, so it has to be Revolution. Or whatever they call it, yeah. Yeah, but, that, but it's the same thing. So, like, why, if, if you're trying to set that storyline up, doing those matches so close to each other, I mean, the Brit Rosa one was way too close, in my opinion. Like, if you're going to do it, you should have done it at the pay-per-view, bigger pop and all that jazz. But if you're going to try doing this, 
that's that's just not a good look in the aesthetic, especially if you're going to give away, you know, you've already ran the match once. Why are you going to watch it a second time? I agree with you. That's why I said I just wanted to give you your flowers because you were the one calling. I was like, I don't know if they're going to be crazy enough to do that. I would assume they would give it a different shot, but eh, here we are. I mean, I guess that they mixed up the pot because Chris Statlander got injured, but was Chris Statlander really going to be the opponent at All Out? We don't know. Yeah. Allegedly, maybe, but we don't know. Yeah, it wasn't locked in. Yeah, exactly. So here we are, finally. (laughs) I wanted to get all that other stuff out of the way because those were all the positives, and this is a positive and a negative. It's the biggest hawk in the wrestling world, so I guess they got the buzz going. Of course, CM Punk. Yeah. Like we expected to open the show. However, it looks like, it appears like, it smells like there's some dissension in the rings. Some cracks, if you will. And uh, we've been noticing these for a while now. Mm -hmm. But CM Punk is now bringing them to light. Uh, CM Punk, when he opens up his comeback, and I'm not going to look up. And you guys have all seen the the video ad nauseum. So I was going to do the whole whatever. But I'm just going to give you the rundown. Uh, He opens up and he starts cutting a promo. About uh, how, hey, Hangman Adam Page, come on out here. I want to fight you tonight for the AEW world title. Come on out. Let's go. That's my challenge. Where are you at? Come on. Come on. Get out here. To only be afterwards say, oh, that's right. You're not going to come out. That ain't cowboy shit. That's coward shit. Mm -hmm. Mind you, Hangman Page was in attendance. Yes. He was in catering. He had no, there was no call out to be done. So a lot of people believe, and I believe as well, that that was Punk going off script and taking a stab back at Hangman Page. Of course, Hangman Page, during the build to Punk and Page for the belt, Hangman Page did notably go a little hard at Punk, which is fine. That's what a professional does. And we were told back then by Tony Khan that reality had seeped into this. Yeah. And uh, a lot of people like to talk. There's a promo where uh, Hangman Page referenced Colt Cabana when Punk wasn't in the building. I don't think that's the promo. That I mean, I'm sure that plays a factor. It played a factor, but I don't think it was the. But I don't think it was the force. promo. I think it was the promo where they were face to face. I think it was the week before the matchup at yep. Double or Nothing, where basically uh, Hangman Page said, "I don't like you. I don't. Res- I, you know what? You're a talented wrestler. Yep. Are you one of the best of all time? Yep. But I don't like you, and I don't respect you, and I need to not only beat you for this, not let you take the spell. I need to protect AEW from you." And he went into like this whole, "You're cancer." Yeah, he went into a deep dive about that, and it was very. You could tell if you watched it. You could look at Punk's face, and I don't think Punk knew those words were coming. And you could look at Hangman, and you could tell that they were very off the cuff, and he was going in, mm-hmm. which is allowed there, and that's fine. That's where some of the best promos come from. But uh, I think that that was a – there's a lot of cracks with Punk. Yes. There's a lot. Let's be honest. There's a lot of cracks with that man. No offense. But for those people who think that this is just miraculously a different CM Punk than has been around from the indies to now, it's not. It's the same guy. It's the same guy. You know, the fact of the matter is the cracks in AEW are simple. There was a lot of people in that locker room that like Colt Cabana. Mm-hmm. Colt Cabana is a big reason why that company is where it is. I mean, think about it. Their merchandise is sold through one-hour tees slash pro wrestling tees, and Colt Cabana is involved in that. Yeah, uh, The Chicago stuff before Punk ever came back, Colt was involved in helping them you know, do what they did, and he was rewarded with a contract, and that's fine. He's respected and loved by a lot of wrestlers. I know this from my time in the wrestling business, and it stays, stays true to today. So when Punk comes in, and instantly, Colt becomes persona non grata. We don't see him on television anymore. Yeah, sometimes, you know, occasionally you see him, but not a lot. Right. 
you already know the edict went in that Punk doesn't want him here. And then they were going to let his contract expire. That was very public. Mm -hmm. And the boys in the back put the pressure on Tony Khan. So he was one of the first to get one of those hybrid contracts. Right. So now basically you don't see him on TV or with the Dark Order anymore because he's a Ring of Honor guy. He's still on the paycheck. He's not wrestling. He's not working except for occasionally whenever Ring of Honor gets a shot. Mm. Sometimes maybe on a darker elevation because I don't really watch those, so I don't know how many times he's on there. But that's not television, folks. Right. But you don't see him with the, the Dark Order anymore. Very infrequently. So therefore, here we are. Mm-hmm. You know, And so there was guys upset about that. There was a lot of guys. Eddie Kingston, one of them. Mm-hmm. That, lest we forget the, the problems with Eddie Kingston. CM Punk says he'll wrestle anybody but Eddie Kingston for a reason. Yes. Eddie Kingston don't like him. Eddie Kingston came out and was the first to call him out on that. Remember, it was Eddie Kingston who came in the ring and told him he was a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. His, his, his first Dynamite or second Dynamite appearance? Yep. <laughs> He's like, when all those other guys, you know, when you were a guy, I, was looked up, I looked up to you and all you could do was tell me I was fat and couldn't do my shit. Fuck you. You know? Mm-hmm. And Eddie let him know. You know, you give Eddie a live microphone, you're going to get fireworks. Yes. I don't think Punk likes it. Yeah, they worked a match together, you know. Mm-hmm. It was. It was what it was. It was what it was. But they worked a match together. But you can also say there's definitely something there because he always brings up, once again, brought up Eddie Kingston during the promo later mm-hmm. for no reason. Exactly. And as he made his Instagram post, which I'm showing Rich, during the whole montage of pictures of the United Center, those nice memories. There's the picture of Punk standing over Eddie Kingston, who's lying back, his back on the mat, and you know, mixed in with just some nice pictures with him and some of the uh, people on the AEW roster. Oh, absolutely. So yeah, I mean, you can't say it's not a direct shot. You can't. I mean, you come on, you have a great promo between Punk and and Moxley. Uh, I think the only thing where he went off the reservation really, kind of honestly, with Moxley. I mean, there was some real j- slanted stuff, but uh, the only thing was when he was doing the Snow Angels in the ring. Yeah. Waiting for him to get to the ring, I was like, ah, it's a little low blow. But once they started cutting off the promo, I think Punk realized real quick he wasn't in there with somebody who's not afraid to talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people focus on uh, the, the the funny line of Punk saying, oh, I don't want to get too close to you, you might bleed on me. Yeah. Which is funny. Mm-hmm. I'll give him credit. But I think the better line was when Moxley, when, when Moxley said he was the heart and soul of AEW, and Punk said, well, you can be the heart and soul, I'll be the dollars and cents. And Moxley responded, hey, listen, don't bring that to the table because we already, everybody already knows the only reason you're here is because you're broke. Yep. <laughs> it's like there it is yeah and and what, what are you gonna do what are you gonna try to fight john moxley for real <laughs> like are you fucking insane we've already seen how cm pike fights for real we see that what john moxley does in the indies for fun when he's cutting himself up with glass and shit so yeah i i i, I, I digress you really probably don't want to fight john moxley correct but anyways i thought that part of the promo was fine that's not what the internet's buzzing about the internet's not buzzing about the moxley punk stuff because that feels what it's supposed to feel like. Although we can talk about, well, it, give it a second, and we're going to definitely talk about this rushed main event mm-hmm. and what that fucking means. But I just want to go back to the opinions of a lot of people and what the people are talking about. This fracture in the locker room, which seems to exist, no matter how much people want to brush it under the t- rug, no matter how much Alvarez and and uh, Meltzer and those then that ilk mm-hmm. that are always apologizing for for AEW want to push it under the rug. We've got some solid stuff from a lot of guys. There's a lot of history. There's a lot of guys talking shit. Listen, when I was in still working in the pro wrestling business, you got to remember CM Punk was still in world wrestling entertainment when I was working in the wrestling business. Right. That's a true story. He left while I was still working in the pro wrestling business, but he was still there. Mm-hmm. 
I had a lot of guys. Names won't be told because I'm not going to give out their things. Right. But you, I can promise you at least a couple of them. If you've read Between the Lines before, you know one of them. But I can guarantee you watched one of them on Raw. You watched one of them on SmackDown. You've watched one of them in Ring of Honor. You've watched one of them in AEW. There's a few that I can tell you who've always told me he was a cocksucker. Mm-hmm. That he was the most untrustworthy. Uh, the word that gets tossed around a lot about CM Punk, and it's true, in locker rooms, he's a politician. Yeah. And that's not a good word in wrestling. Mm-hmm. You know, you know who you hear about when politician, you'd hear about Hulk, Hulk Hogan. Hogan. That's CM Punk. He's a politician. He'll backstab whoever he wants to be there. Of course, it got brought up the Triple H promo from when Punk was doing the summer punk angle. Right. And Triple H was like, oh, this is great. You know, you want change, but that's only if the change benefits CM Punk. If you're benefited, you want change. And a lot of people were put out some other one where Punk went back at him about burying people and stuff. And listen. We're not going to say that Triple H was not a politician because he was. Of course. But who better to know a politician than another politician? Yeah. Who better to call somebody out? And remember, during that summer of punk angle, there was a lot of real life things going on. We know the hatred between Triple H and CM Punk is there in real life. They mm-hmm. do not like each other. You know, remember, CM Punk's one of when he left, one of his things that he said is he wasn't even going to give the satisfaction of, of Triple H being pinned by him at WrestleMania. Yeah. Remember, he was slated to go over Triple H at WrestleMania mm-hmm. when he left for WrestleMania 30. That was the plans. That's never been disputed, right. including by Punk himself. But he said that he wasn't even going to give Triple H the pleasure of being pinned by him. It's wild. So my whole point of the matter is, set it aside. WWE is a different thing. This is a different thing. I think that CM Punk... Got to the top of the mountain. The crowd, by the way, cheering him during what sounded like a heel promo, which is a problem for it's – it's an aesthetic problem. It's a nightmare. And, yes, they love CM Punk. He's CM Punk, right? Mm-hmm. He's your top guy. But when he goes into business for himself and he's being cheered for it and he's burying Hangman Page, who can't come out and do anything about it. Mind you, when he dropped the Eddie Kingston line, if Eddie Kingston was there, Kingston probably would have came out. Oh, I bet, I, so, I fully believe he I mean, he came took out. the Twitter and he said, oh, of course he says this shit when uh, that cunt says this shit when I'm not here. Sorry if I offended anybody with the C-bomb, but that was the exact quote, the quote from Eddie Kingston. So at the end of the day, this is nothing new for Punk. Jonathan Coachman hit the nail right in the head when he said, Punk causing problems in the back? Gasp. Yeah. Who would have thought it? And, and this is not a secret in the wrestling. And, and, yeah, it's fine to be a fan. We're fans. It's fine to be a fan. But to go, oh, this is a work. This is not a work. If it was a work, it wouldn't be DEFCON 5 over at AEW right now. That, that's God's honest truth. This is about as, I always hate saying real as it gets, but the, the realism has now blended over. And the honeymoon phase is long gone. So now you're really starting to see the fruition of the seeds planted one year ago, as it stands. That's when CM Punk came to AEW. What has really transpired from there? And that's why you kind of have to look at the legacy thus far. But when you're getting moments like this, where he's definitely having a lot more uh, personal opinions coming out, and especially taking a shot at Adam Page, taking a shot at Eddie Kingston, trying to go at Mox, I understand the whole point about building up storyline, but... When your character is supposed to be the top face of the company, you're crossing lines and going into directions that, quite frankly, you should not be doing. And this is not getting well-received by the people in that locker room that are hearing those stories and getting very, very uh, opinionated themselves. And that's the one thing. They're not having somebody regulate them either. 
Oh, exactly. And that's a, that's a problem. That is a problem. There should have been some punishment dished out mm-hmm. for CM Punk going off the reservation. There's no way in hell you can tell me that that Hangman Page line was not him going into business for himself. And the reason I say that is because it didn't serve anything. It's irrelevant it at destro- this stage. Well, the first of all, done. it destroyed Hangman Page because mm-hmm. he looks like a bitch when he doesn't come out. Yeah. Right? Well, that's the whole problem. But he wasn't ready to come out because it wasn't part of the story. And even if all is, even if Tony Khan puts on the good business hat and gets everybody to sit at the table and we have some kind of weird three-way at all out with Hangman Page involved, that is what you call an after-the-fact solution. That is, he somehow became peacemaker. And, and he's trying to appease everybody. And, and that's what you have to do as a promoter. So kudos to Tony Khan if he pulls that shit off. But as of right now, there's reports that CM Punk was going to no-show Dynamite. Yeah, yeah, a lot allegedly is with that one. But I yeah, mean, yeah, but, I mean, but, I'm yeah, not no, saying no, that's no, true. No, no, I'm no, saying I know, no, but, but the report's coming out about that. So what is that saying overall? I mean, if he wasn't going to come to the Dynamite, so we wouldn't even have this promo. So, like, what the hell is really going on? And that's the question that, from outside looking in, going into your biggest pay-per-view of the year, with this much turmoil that's circulating, because like let's say per- perception is reality, mm-hmm. how is this coming across to a casual fan that is thinking about spending the fifty bucks to go buy it on Bleacher? Before we dive into the match, because mm-hmm. that's good. Oh, part I got of some this, thoughts about that. I, I definitely want to hear these, but before we dive into that, let's put a cap on the whole CM Punk stuff. Say what you will, and I, you know, I've been critical of mm-hmm. Sean Ross Sapp in the past, but I've always said that he does a decent amount of journalism. This thing, he's gotten a lot of information. There's a lot of guys that talk to him. And I, once again, think it. And, of course, the people attacked, the AW faithful attacked, which is normal. He, he understands that. Mm-hmm. And I heard a lot of them, you know, making up, the like, well, uh, the MJF stuff. Well, once again, none of us know if MJF bought a fucking plane ticket out of Vegas. There's a possibility he did. He no-showed an event. He planned on no-showing a pay-per-view. There's a lot of alleged out there that it was Cody Rhodes who said, hey, listen, don't burn a bridge going to WWE. How about you uh, just go work? Yeah. So there was a little bit of a, you know, if Cody didn't tell him to go back to work, which is a possibility. I'm not saying that's what happened, but that was heavily fucking rumored, Mm -hmm. which would make sense, wouldn't it? Then he went out there and jobbed his ass off. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. Got buried. I'm I'm sure Cody made some sense to him. Because it's a bad look. It's a bad look. So, but that doesn't mean he didn't fucking purchase a plane ticket. Oh, sure. (laughs) <laughs> There's, I, I'm sure that probably did happen, but I'm sure Cody talks sense into him, and that's and that and that's good on his part too. But I will say this: Sean Ross Sapp has had a good handle on this story. I give him credit for that. I give credit where credit's due. It's no, right I, down the middle, right? I agree. I, I think he's, he's had a good, and it's not like he's been a bunch of allegedly's. He's been like, okay, well, this is what I've been told by this person. This is what I've been told. It's confidential from some people, but you can tell us the talent. But then you hear that story, and you couple it with things that I already know from from friends of I, mine in the business, mm-hmm. and you couple it with this and that, and you're like, well, that fucking sounds about right. Yeah, we're smoke there's fire because he's like, I can't confirm that he was going to no show dynamite when other people were he said i can't confirm that but i can say that it was believed that by a lot of people people i've talked to in positions of power and on the roster no i thought he's handled this really well yeah so i give him credit gotta mm-hmm. give him credit where credit's due so keep your eyes on him because i whatever he's writing is seems to be he seems to have some ears and i do know he's friends with wrestlers so he's got the ears of these guys if these guys are really disgruntled which it sounds like they are it sounds like there's a good portion of this locker room that is anti or anti cm punk in AEW. There's only a few people around him from what it looks like. Mm-hmm. So there could be a lot more to that. Remember, once again, these cracks have been here, folks. Don't think this is all some long-term fucking book storyline. The Cole Cabana stuff was serious. There was a lot of people in that roster unhappy that Cole Cabana was going to you know, have his contract expire. Yeah. That 
played a lot of roles in a lot of different things, including getting him the, the first person to have this hybrid contract. The other thing is you remember when Punk won that title at that scrum, what was his exact words? His exact words are, if you don't like me, then you're a fucking loser because only fucking losers don't like me. Hmm. So why did he bring, why was that a thing? And that wasn't directed at wrestling fans. That was a question about how do the boys in the back perceive you? It's an interesting time, but I mean, being the top guy of the company, this, you're going to be having that criticism. So it's how you're handling it and how the perception's coming off is there is just so many problems right now. It's not even funny. Well, that brings us to the match. And I, uh, there's something, some interesting things coming up. So, so of course we were anticipating that the fact that it was going to be Moxley versus CM Punk at all out mm-hmm. as soon as we knew Punk was back for the undisputed AEW world championship. Got to take the interim title and mix it with it. All of a sudden, after all this shit happens, by the end of Dynamite, we get the news that this upcoming Wednesday on Dynamite, it's Moxley versus Punk for the belt. Yeah. So we're taking what was going to be the main event of one of your flagship pay-per-views. It is now the main event of Dynamite. Now, there's two schools of thoughts to this. Um, of course, I want to get yours, mm-hmm. but I'm going to say the two schools of thoughts that I believe, and then I'm going to have you dive right on in. So the two schools of thoughts on this is either A, there's some where there's smoke, there's fire, and something's going on, and they're appeasing somebody, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or B, this right here is a way to try to pop a rating, much like when Hogan fought Goldberg in the Georgia Dome on Nitro instead of a pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. There's precedent for this. So once again, this past week with the week with uh, Punk coming back, less than a million. This week with Punk making his first appearance in the return of Omega, still less than a million. You know, and where they they worry about these numbers. You know, we, I've heard recently that their contract, they're they're entering the phases where the next six months, this is the time when they're going to start building towards that new negotiation. Mm-hmm. So they need the best numbers possible to negotiate with WB Discovery. Right. Well, could this be a, could this be the fire smoke from the fire? That is this whole controversy going on, or is this a popped rating? And this is a business move by Tony Khan. And then what does that fucking say for your $50 flagship pay-per-view? I want to hear your thoughts. Ironic. You mentioned about that because that's what I was talking about. Blocks kind of anywhere this week with CM Punk. So I was saying, because what I don't understand with this is, okay, if you're doing this for a rating spike, for whatever reason, what are you going to replace at the pay-per-view? And here's something this is those that live and die by the numbers. So let's say that this draws 925,000. You don't crack that million. You've now put on the biggest match in your company that a lot of the AEW faithful have said this is the best match in AEW history they could possibly book. Story, story and everything. So if this goes down in ratings, then what do you offer up for a replacement at all out. And then hypothetically saying, okay, let's say this match goes to a no contest, disqualification, whatever. You Then you say, well, the rematch is going to happen at all out. Well, I want to stop you there. The first problem with that would be that Tony Khan's own edict about how they don't do no finishes mm-hmm. in quotations and the internet's insistence and no finishes are a cop out. Now, the best thing for a storyline would be to the uh, – I'm going to give a shout-out to our good friend Walt. The best story would be for the two of them to get in the ring, have a little bit of a match, shit pop off, they fight through the crowd, and they just throw the match out because they're fucking – they hate each other. So that way they're going to – and Tony Khan can say, hey, listen, 
This is either going to be a no holds barred match, falls count anywhere, cage, whatever. Yes. But we're going to we're going to resolve it at the pay per view. That would be the smart storytelling. But with them insisting on not doing no finishes, which they could change that. Sure. And I think that would be perfect. That would be a key to get you to watch this and then to watch the pay per view. Until we know that, though, who knows? Well, that's the biggest problem that you have because now you're going to put it on free TV. So you're giving the main event that you've been selling. The perception is the AEW title is going to be defended, you know, finally merged, Mox and Punk. You're putting that on free TV. You have to either end it with a no contest, which or time limit draw, but how many times have we already seen that on Dude, TV? Dude, if I get to see an hour Broadway between Punk and, and Mox, I'm not a fan. Exactly. So what is that going to say to the casual fan that is debating about getting this show? You can't do that finish, but now if you do that on there, you have Punk win. Well, who do you put him against at the main, at the pay-per-view? Well, Ken, the Uncle Dave, says that MJF is slated to come back soon. Yeah, even if he is. So the last time we saw MJF, mm. not counting him doing his pipe bomb 2.0, right. was in a devastating one-sided squash against Wardlow mm-hmm. on pay-per-view. So all of a sudden he returns and he just automatically gets a shot at the AW World Title. Exactly, it wouldn't make any sense. And so the, yeah, I don't, I, I don't get it. Yeah, no, it wouldn't make sense. It, it wouldn't. Like the only way you could do this, but I don't even see how this would draw. In my opinion, is you'd have to have Punk versus Hangman Page again at the pay per view. That's what I was also going to get to. I thought about that as well. Okay, so maybe maybe everybody blew it out of proportion. Maybe, well, we're all playing checkers. Tony Khan's playing 3D chess. I don't think that that's happening. I think that there is some issues. Yeah, I, I, fully I think, think so. that if they come to some kind of agreement, that is him doing a good job as being a peacemaker. Mm-hmm. So I, I'll give him all the credit in the world, but I don't think this is something – I don't think this is something that was not real. I just think that if he gets something out of it, he was a peacemaker, and, and kudos to, to TK. Yeah. You know what I mean? But now let's say we do this. Punk becomes champion, Punk versus Page at the pay-per-view, or or you throw the curveball and Mox stays champion, and then you have Mox versus Page at the pay-per-view. Either way, you've spent the better part, believe we've talked about this already, we've spent the better part since Hangman Page has dropped the belt on either not having him on television or making him look like a bitch. Mm. So what, what Punk said... He's not a coward, but they haven't done him any favors. Remember when the Bucks came to him to be their six-man partner with hat in hand, and then he followed suit and hat in hand? Yeah. I'm not interested in that. Like, where's the fire? What, he's going to find fire in a week? That's the whole thing. He, you can't plug him in there. And that and that's the, the problem that they've now painted themselves into. You literally are giving away your main event, and do you have a plan B? Because if it's a time limit draw... It's it's going to be absolutely disastrous. If you do a no contest, you can try spinning it, and then you'd have to do a cage, or you have to do a ladder match, or you, you have to do some kind of stipulation to try spiking a rating. But then again, if your ratings are low to begin with, who's going to want to see it ran back? And on top of that, let's go with the logical one, which would be MJF. Sure. Right? Kind of in a way. Once again, you have a lot of problems with that. So let's say that Punk beats Moxley, and then MJF does make his return. Mm-hmm. Comes out, he's going to get a thunderous pop, right? Yeah, you would think. But Punk, even with if, – if the last week was a work, which I don't think it was, he st- even with all that shit he said about people they liked, the crowd still cheered Punk. So how are you turning him heel, right? So MJF comes back, confronts Punk, and then we have a week, literally – well, technically 10 days – or no, 11 days, sorry, because of the pay-per-view f- falls on a Sunday. Right. So we have 11 days 
to somehow salvage the past and build Punk versus MJF. And I understand they had a feud already, but that doesn't mean in 11 days we put together a main event of a gigantic pay-per-view. It just doesn't work that way. No, it doesn't. Equate. I mean, sure, the diehards will be okay with it. I would be okay with it. But there's a lot of casual fans that be like, why the fuck is this a thing? Well, especially when this is your marquee pay-per-view. I mean, you can argue double or nothing. It's sure. But let's face it. You do four pay-per-views a year. This has to be something special, especially if you're trying to charge people to watch it. $50 at that. Yeah. So you need to deliver something big. Now, the only thing that you can do is you could try spinning Punk for his MJF. But then again, Punk's what MJF is going to be the face because where's the pay-per-view in Chicago? Do you really think they're going to boo Punk there? Exactly. There, you have no chance. Like this is such a no-win situation that the fact that you put it on there, which I'm guessing it has to be a rating spike. It has to be because why else would you do this? Is just out of out of complete logic to me. Like I, it it doesn't add up for the simple fact that with this much time before your pay per view, you are hoping if you don't pull this off, that the MJF debut will come back and save the day. Because who else is out there that you could bring in that would spark that much of a buzz? In 11 days. In 11 days. Like, you would need something. I don't even know who would be out there. Bray Wyatt wouldn't be the one to do it, I don't think. Who's not in 11 days. Yeah, not in 11 days. Not Johnny there's Gargano. Only, there's, one, there's two people. Two people. And they're both off limits to AEW. Roman Reigns mm-hmm. and Brock Lesnar. Yeah. Those are the only two in 11 days that you could build something. Because then you'd just be going, oh, best in the world versus best in the world or beast or whatever yeah and you couldn't do like you couldn't plug in jay white there you couldn't plug in okada there i mean we've already seen what happened with uh forbidden door yeah so now is the time that everybody's gonna be looking and seeing how you you do this and if this falls flat on your face on wednesday if you have a decline in ratings like that and you know we don't harp about ratings here but let's face it if this goes down because you've now had a week to hype this up your main event pay-per-view is now gonna be on free tv great fans should be turning in in droves you have to clear a 1.3, I think, for this to be a win. You just has to be the biggest dynamite of all time. I, I think it's a 1.5 then because it's got to be bigger than the 1.4 whatever it was. I, I, I couldn't remember. It was so I think a 1.5 or, or bust. Yeah. I mean, technically speaking, I think even if you're at a million, it's not enough. It's going to have to be no, a, high to be enough to, to, because you're, you're risking your pay-per-view match. Yeah. And then either you have to do something you said you wouldn't do and do a no finish to go to the pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. Or we have to do the Broadway again, which I'm fucking tired of seeing cuz how many Broadways can we do cuz that's a that's worse than a no finish in my exa- in my opinion, especially when the storyline could just use a no finish. You could literally have these two men just brawl and throw the fucking match out. Yeah. And the crowd would eat it up and not even give a fuck that it, it was thrown out because they're going to brawl thumb brawl through the crowd. You know Mox is going to bleed. Punk's not a not not a stranger to bleeding. Mm-hmm. Let those motherfuckers go out there and spill a couple buckets in the fucking crowd. Yeah. Nobody'll care. Have security and the cops arrest them. Yeah. End it with the, them both being arrested. Yeah, do something like that because you know what? If you don't, oh, disaster. Oh, I, I can, I, 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 there's a lot. And once again, I've said it before, I'll say it again. Right now, I feel like Tony Khan, my opinion, is desperate booking. You know, it was easy to book against WWE when it was shit. Mm-hmm. It was easy to book against Vince McMahon because you knew what you're going to get. Yeah. You knew how to, you knew how to counteract that. Now, Triple H in charge. 
and we're not getting the same matches every week and we're not getting the same old fucking people and we're building things and we're building two things. And there you can see the, as every week goes by, you can see where the steps are coming in and the steps are coming in and the steps are coming in. Mm-hmm. That's the one thing. It is a slow build into the finale. And if you can't see that, I don't, I don't, I feel bad for you. Yeah. If you're a businessman, if you're Tony Khan and you're ignoring that, that's a problem. And I don't think he is because we've heard him. We talked about it last week when he said, I've been watching it and it is better. Mm-hmm. So he knows. So I think that these are a lot of knee-jerk reactions to that as well. Plus, I also do put in there that they are going to be up for a contract. So it's time for them to start bolstering stuff up so they can get the best deal they can from WB Discovery. Or another suitor, because as you know, WB Discovery is a little flaky. Yeah. So there's a lot going on here. Who knows? But as far as I'm concerned, like I said, this punk stuff, I mean, it was only a matter of time. Mm -hmm. We all knew it was coming. Before he's going to show his ass. And I think a lot of it is because while he was gone, Moxley proved that he is the number one guy. Mm -hmm. And Punk can't handle somebody being the number one guy. That's my opinion. Perception is reality, man. He's 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 always been that way in his career, and it it looks like it's it it looks like jealousy and envy is 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 poked its you know evil little head out again. Mm -hmm. Just like the pettiness that comes out, it just pokes his evil head out. And you know, I think that's the worst case scenario. This can be something great, but you know, hey. What do I? What do I know? Maybe I'm wrong. Exactly. But I doubt it's a work. I hate how everything. Whenever anything happens in AEW, it's, it's a work. It's not that high level. It's not. <laughs> no. There's a lot of moving parts, and there's a lot of evidence that proves that this is not. And this is. It, and even if it was a work, it's piss poor booking. Yeah. Because who do you? By making one of your top guys a bitch, what have you accomplished? Mm-hmm. The fact that he said that about punk or about Hangman Page. And Hangman Page did not come out. Instantly tanks Hangman Page. Yeah. But, you know, tell me I'm wrong. You look at him the same way, he was called a coward. Mm-hmm. And he did what a coward does and didn't react. Yeah. But it's not because he didn't react. It's because that wasn't supposed to fucking happen. Just saying. Mm-hmm. Just saying. No, you're exactly right. Well, with that, we are going to take our first break. When we come back, it'll tell you time for the mid-card of the show. We will be talking New Japan Pro Wrestling and the results from the G1 Climax 32. It's over. We now know who will be going on to January 4th at Wrestle Kingdom to challenge for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. And we're also going to talk about the Game Changer Wrestling Weekend. All that and more when we come back from this break. Get into that motion, Ken M. You know what time it is, baby. Woo! Get in, dig it. 
Getting funky. Boom, 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 boom. Oh, yeah. That's right. It mean, that sound can only mean one thing, and that means it's time for the mid-card of this week's edition of 607 Podcast presents The Wrestling Show, or hashtag 607TWS. And uh, you know what? Let's not even bury the league. Before we go any further... It is time to talk some new Japan pro wrestling because we came in to the end, the foot race to the end of the G1 Climax 32 and to start to shape out the Wrestle Kingdom season. Kenem, are you ready to talk about what everybody missed in the last week? Yeah, let's do this. So first of all, uh, when we left you off with everybody, uh, we were on the 18th night of the tournament, which is the final round robin night from Nippon, Budokan, Chiyoda, Tokyo, Japan. That's a mouthful. Yes. Uh, and here's the results. These were all tournament matches, so I'll give you all the results. Will Osprey defeated Juice Robinson in a D-block match. El Fantasmo defeated Shingo Tagagi in a D-block match. Evil defeated Hiroki Goto in a C-block match. Tetsuo Naito defeated Zack Sabre Jr. in a C-block match. Uh, Tamahiro Ishii defeated Sonata in a B-block match. The good bad guy Tama Tonga with the upset over the IWGP Huge World's Heavyweight win. Champion, the Switchblade Jay White, in a B-block match. Jonah defeated Bad Luck Fallet in an A-block match. And in the main event of the evening, the Rainmaker Kazuchika Okada defeated Lance Archer in an A-block match. So here is the final standings going out of the G1. Are you ready? Yes. In the A-block, finishing in last place with two points, Toriyanu. In fourth place with four points, Bad luck foul A. In a three-way tie with third place with six points, we had Jeff Cobb, Filthy Tom Lawler, and Lance Archer. Yeah. In second place with eight points, Jonah. And in first place, and the winner of the A block, with ten points, the Rainmaker, Kazuchika Okada. No real surprise there. Nope. Next up, we had a three uh, we had a four-way tie, excuse me, for fourth place in B block, all with four points. That would go to Tamihiro Ishii, the great Okan, uh, Chase Owens, Tai Chi. Then we had uh, one person in second place with six points, and that would be Sonata. And there was a two-way tie for first place. But because these two men had a match on the final night, and the man who won that match, so with 10 points and eliminated from the tournament, tied for first, the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion, Jay White, mm. because of his victory on the last night of the per- tournament with 10 points and the winner of B-Block, the good bad guy, Tamatanga. I was super happy about this one. C-Block is up next. And in third place, last place in this case, with two points, Aaron Henry. Mm-hmm. Then we had a one, two, three, four-way tie in second place, all with six points, Evil, uh, the the ace, Hiroshi Tanahashi, Hiroki Goto, and Kenta. And then we had a tie of first place here as well. Both of these men had eight points. Unfortunately, due to a loss on the last night and a win on the last night. Once again, just like B-Block, because they, they fought each other. Tetsu Naito wins C-Block. Zack Sabre Jr. tied for first, but does not get the nod. I was surprised at this one. And last, but certainly not least, uh, we had in third, sole possession of third and last place in D block was Juice Robinson with four points. Then we had a one, two, three, four, five way tie for second place, all with six points. El Phantasmo, Yoshihashi, David Finley, 
Yujiro Takahashi, and Shingo Tagagi. And in first place with eight points and the winner of D-Block, the Billy Goat, Will Ospreay. Mm-hmm. So if you are looking at home, D-Block, Osprey is advancing, C-Block, Naito advancing, B-Block, Tamatanga advancing, and A-Block, the Rainmaker, Kazusuke Okada, is advancing. So now it's time to go to night 19. These are the semifinal matches. Uh, this was August 17th, Napon Budokan in Chiyodo, Tokyo, Japan. In the first of the two semifinal matches in the G1 Climax, the Rainmaker, Kazusuke Okada, defeated Tamatanga in 19 minutes and 8 seconds in a great match. Still not over this one. And in the main event in the evening, in the other semifinal match for the G1 Climax, the Billy Goat, Will Ospreay, defeated Tetsuya Naito in 20 minutes and 23 seconds. Another phenomenal match. Great both, match. Both semifinal matches very much go out of your way. Make sure you see these. Mm-hmm. That means one thing's left. Night 20, August 18th from Nippon Budokan in Shioto, Tokyo, Japan. For the third night in a row, if you're doing the math. The finals. 33 minutes, 53 seconds. The Rainmaker, Kazuchika Okada, defeats the Billy Goat, Will Ospreay, to become the winner of the G1 Climax 32. So Kazuchika Okada will go on to January 4th and Wrestle Kingdom to get a shot at the Switchblade, Jay White, and the IWGP World's Heavyweight Championship, the belt that he lost to the Switchblade, Jay White. He might be able to get back at Wrestle Kingdom. By the way, to note, the Will Ospreay, Okada finale was a five-star match. Yes, it was. In my opinion, this is a match you need to see. It's arguably, possibly, going. it's definitely on the match of the year candidates. Mm. It may actually win match of the year. That's how good this match was. You can see all this action, if you didn't already know, on njpwworld.com. 999 yen is the price. If you are in America, that works out to be about $9 American. Conversion elsewhere in the world, you have to check that out. Right. It's not so bad. Ken M, how did you feel about the G1 Climax and your winner, Kazuchika Okada? Predictable. I hate saying it. I thought Tonga was going to get in there and maybe pull off some kind of crazy upset. I'm, I'm, I, I wanted to see him do something different. But once you saw Okada was in there, you knew it was going to be him because they want to set up for him and Jay White again. The fact of the matter is this. On the 50th year of New Japan Pro Wrestling, mm-hmm. that's what we're celebrating this right. year. There's no way right. they weren't going to end and go to Wrestle Kingdom with their number one guy, the John Cena of Japan, if you will, mm. the Rainmaker Okada. Uh, we'll see what they do on January 4th. Yeah. I'll yeah. be interested to see who gets a shot on January 5th. The 5th is where I'm more interested right now. So we'll see where we go from there. But the road to Wrestle Kingdom, we're going to be on that. Of course, World Tag League will be coming up. Winner of that is going to go on to get a shot at the World Tag Team titles at January 4th, uh, you know, we have all sorts of crazy things between now and then uh, to set up for all the matches coming up. So we are definitely in Wrestle Kingdom season. Mm-hmm. They'll run. This is the they have an extended run to the end of their year. And that's a beautiful thing. Yes. So from now until January 4th, when Wrestle Kingdom kicks off on night one, it is the build to that season. And I am here for it because it's exciting. It's the most exciting thing in wrestling every year. Let's switch gears, Ken M. Let's switch gears and talk about the weekend that was for Game Changer Wrestling. Let's talk about this. Of course, Game Changer Wrestling was on both Friday and Saturday on Fight.TV. You can still get those bundles for $19.99 on Fight TV if you would like to check them out. Uh, Game Changer Wrestling made their North Carolina debut for GCW Sanctified from Concord, North Carolina in the Cabreras Arena and Event Center. That was Friday night Mm. at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, the opening contest for that was Andrew Everett defeating Kevin Blackwood. Second match was the former 
Uh, GCW World Tag Team Champions, Los Macizo, Ciclope, and Miedo Extremo, defeating Charlie Evans, Evans and Everett Connors. The next matchup, we got uh, a match that I know that we were excited that we got to see because both these guys made it. As All Heart, a.k.a. the best in the world, Blake Christian defeated Joe Lando. Mm-hmm. By the way, Joe Lando from Orlando, Florida, but makes his name in the British uh, wrestling scene. Thoughts? Rest- or reasons. I was going to say wrestling, but it's reasons. Yeah. Next up, we had a six-man tag match where Axe Ray, Kerry Morton, and Ricky Morton defeated the team of Billy Starks, Chris Hamrick, and Jordan Oliver. Great match. Lots of fun. Yes. Lots of fun. Hamrick is hilarious. Uh, next up, there was a tag team match. The second gear crew, Mance Warner and Matthew Justice, defeated the Revolt, Caleb Conley and Zane Riley. This is a fun match, too. But, <laughs> yeah, but super fun. But it's SGC. I mean, what do you expect? There was a beer spirit test. Mm-hmm. That's all you need to know. Uh, next up, Bojack defeated B-Boy, Diego Hill, Jimmy Lloyd, Lucky Ali, and White Mike in a six-way scramble match. Real crazy match. Yeah, Bojack's a very big, impressive, athletic guy. Yeah. Holy shit. First time I saw him, I was like, wow. Uh, next up, Effie defeated George South, the legendary George South. Classic match here. Next up, we had a tag team match. The team of Ali Catch and Dark Sheik defeated the Ugly Ducklings, Lance Lude and Rob Kiljoy, of course, making their return. Yeah, very good match. And in the main event of the evening for the GCW Extreme title in a fucking death match. The king of wreck shit mountain, Cole Raderick, defended his title against Colby Carino at the end of the day. Cole Raderick is your winner and still GCW Extreme champion. And this was, if you like a death match, this is a damn good death match. Incredible match. And Cole Raderick, if you're not on board yet, I don't know what to tell you. The kid is definitely putting in some work. Agreed, agreed. I, I think match of the night for me was definitely uh, Blake Christian and Joe Lando. I agree. Uh, but there was a lot of fun matches on the show. This was a solid card. This was not my favorite card, top to bottom, like, but it's still great in-ring work, so I don't want to take anything away from that. But for me, I've seen so much GCW now. Like This was not a wow card to me, but it was a solid one. I'm not mad I watched it. Absolutely. Uh, next up, the ne- very next night, Saturday night at 8 p.m. Eastern, time, Eastern Standard Time, Sorry, uh, they made their return to Center Stage Theater in Atlanta, Georgia, for GCW Hope to Die. Are you ready to talk this card? Yes. This card was a phenomenal card. Yes. In the opening contest, All Elite Nick Wayne defeated Joe Lando. Instant classic right here. The, definitely two, two cats to keep your eyes on in the future. Mm-hmm. Billy Starks gets an upset victory over the legendary B-Boy. Okay, we talk about all heart. We talk about laying it all in the ring, just the raw motion of wrestling. Billy Starks had a breakout performance in this one, in my opinion. Absolutely. This is a great match. Uh B-Boy pulled no punches. Yes. Very good match. Can't wait to see more. I love Billy Starks. Yes. And I love B-Boy. And uh, at the end, a little bit of an emotion for uh, B-Boy because he loves teaching the young kids. So at the end there, uh, called uh, Billy Starks back in the ring, gave her the handshake, and then gave her a big hug and uh, obviously said some things to her very mm-hmm. touchingly because you yes. could tell she was emotional as well and gave her a kiss on the cheek and left the ring to her. I thought that was very cool of uh, one of the most respected men in all of independent wrestling. Absolutely. Uh, next up, the GCW Extreme title was on the line as your champion, the king of wreck shit mountain, Cole Raderick, took on uh, Brett Eisen at the end of the day and still GCW Extreme champion, Cole Raderick. Great story being told in this one. Dude, the ratty daddy. First night has a death match. Next night he's in wrestling gear having a wrestling match. Yeah, He can do it all. Next up, we had uh, another great match. I'm glad we got to see All Heart, a.k.a. the best in the world, Blake Christian, defeated Masha Slamovich. By the way, who has had a better year in GCW than Masha Slamovich? 
The only person close would be Blake. Right, but I, I but still, I don't know. Masha's had some big matches. She might not come out on top all the time, but damn, no, if big you want, matches. If you want to talk about Wrestler of the Year candidate, Masha's in that conversation, and this was a phenomenal match. I need to see this ran back. Absolutely. Next up, we had a tag team match. The second gear crew, Matt Warner and Matthew Justice, defeated Charlie Evans and Everett <laughs> Connors. This match got violent. <laughs> this match got crazy. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, we, we got to see a fan get thrown from... A balcony through a table? It's one thing when you tune in. Or no, in. on the people. Sorry, yeah. it wasn't a table. When you tune in to watch GCW, I mean, there's certain things that you expect. SGC matches are going to be get wild. They're going to get crazy. You're going to see some stuff that you will not see in any other wrestling match, bar none. They definitely did that. And this was a damn entertaining match, obviously hard-hitting, and it's just SGC doing SGC things. SGC, baby. Uh, then we had a break. Coming back from the break, we had the classic, the vintage GCW six-way scramble. And this uh, it was also local talent like the the last one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rico Gonzalez defeated Bobby Flacco, Brogan Finley, Hunter Drake, Sean Campbell, and Terry Yaki. Uh, I thought it was funny because it's Terry Yaki, but it's actually T-E-R-R-Y yeah. space Y-A-K-I. So Terry Yaki. Uh, all, all these uh, gentlemen from down south. You know what? At first, I was like, I don't know about this match. But this match was a lot of fun, and they did a lot of insane shit. I've heard uh, some calls that uh, people are saying they should run this back at Joey Janela's spring break. I fully agree <laughs> with this. For being all local talent, they definitely stole the show with this one. Well, next up, we had a little bit of change card subject to change mm-hmm. because we had uh, originally Jordan Oliver was going to have a different opponent. Yes. Unfortunately, said opponent could not make the date, so we had to get a replacement. So, in case you're, you're living under a rock, you might not know this guy, but his name's Anthony Henry. Mm-hmm. So, I think that uh, we gave it back with value. Yes. Because uh, at the end of the day, the East Coast Ace, big breakfast, the Calcutta. Jordan Oliver gets back on that singles winning ways as he defeats Anthony Henry. Great match. It's one of my favorites of the night. We'll mm-hmm. talk about that later. Uh, next up, in a fucking death match. Oh, ho, 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 ho. Mr. Three Pete himself, the former GCW Ultra Violent Champion, Alex Cologne, defeated Hunter Freeman. By the way, Hunter Freeman mm. did a running dive from the stage where he had to dive. They installed a fence. Yes. Uh, between the stage and not not for GCW, the venue did. Yes. He did this running dive, and this fence was probably, I don't know, three, four feet. Give take. So he ran, dove over that. The stage is already like a 10, 15 foot platform onto. <laughs> Alex Cologne. Absolutely impressed with his performance and going against Mr. 3P. I mean, that's no easy task anyway. But It was nice to see Hunter Freeman. We get to see him a lot out in L.A. fights. Mm-hmm. So it was nice to get to see him on the big show and, of course, in a great match with Alex Cologne. So yes. I think his stock just rose tenfold. Huge. And in the main event of the evening, we had a six-man or six-person, I should say, tag team match. They read six-man on here. Mm-hmm. But a uh, sorry cage match. It's six-person tag team Correct. match. As Thrussy... The team of Ali Catch, Effie, and the Dark Sheik mm-hmm. defeated Los Macisos with Jimmy Lloyd, who is also a Los Macisos. By the way, MLJ announcing Jimmy Lloyd with a Spanish flair was something to behold. Yes, absolutely incredible work. And this match lived up to the main event status, too. This match wasn't technically a death match, but they went all over the building. Mm-hmm. I do believe Ciclope and Dark Sheik may or may not no longer be with us. One of the wildest spots you'll ever see. And I don't know. Uh, they did not come back to the ring. Yeah. So I hope everything is well. I have. I, I saw Dark Sheik tweeting. So I'm sure. You know. At least we know 
that she's good. Yes. Enough for that, but whew, it was a scary time. Uh, after the match, though, got some post-match, got some build, if you will, if you're building a story, as uh, Pussy got the microphone and said, hey, we just won this match against the people who lost our belts. We lost the belts to these guys, but then they lost our belts to the Briscoes. Mm-hmm. So now we just beat them in a violent match, proving that Bussy should not be overlooked. And we're going into war games. War games. To make sure we get those tag team titles back where they belong. Of course, Miato Extremo gives a handshake to Effie, but then pulls him in for the stare down. Then the SGC hits the ring. Then shit hits the fan when Alex Colon hits the ring. We had a little smudge fest. In fact, how did Alex Colon define his team? Best of enemies, best of friends? Yes. Or something like that. It had a real cool name to it. I just want to definitely plug that. But it's a perfect way to lead up to War Games. Because obviously, being the first tag team War Games that we're going to see in GCW, this is a subtle way to build the storyline because they have such a deep tag team division. And you know they're going to definitely step up for this one. Just enough that it didn't be, it didn't feel too overwhelming. And obviously... War Games sells itself no matter where it is. Cage Match Votes had this at 8, 8 out of 10. Yeah, I think it was much. I, I, I can agree with that's in the range. Yeah, I would say, like, I, I always hate putting number grades on so stuff. So don't like I, it. but I'm just going by what No, no, but, but I have to say, that's, that's that's a very fair assessment. I thought this was a lot better than Friday Night. Friday Night Cage Match had the average rating at a uh, 6.33. Yeah, that makes sense, too. Like, I, I don't struggle with that. I just think that the Atlanta show is a little bit better overall. And they definitely, I think the scramble match might have did it for me, to be honest with you. I think it was a tale of two shows. I think that uh, the North Carolina show was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't better. I think the Atlanta show was the better show. Mm-hmm. The uh, North Carolina one was a lot of fun. Though. Oh, it was fun, though. Yeah, so like both I said. Both were great. I'm not, no regrets on my purchases. Exactly. Uh, on top of that, I got to say, match of the night is a toss-up in this. There's, there's a three-way tie for my match of the night because I put them all on pretty much the same level. Nick Wayne versus Joe Lando, Blake Christian versus uh, Masha Slamovich, and Jordan Oliver versus Anthony Henry are my three picks of my match for the nights. I, I can't decipher which one I like better. If gun to my head, honestly, I would probably go with uh, Oliver and Henry. I'll say it's the last one I watched. So I'll say it's Oliver and Henry for that reason alone and only alone because all three of those matches were main event caliber. Yeah, they were peppered through the show. One was the opening contest, one was about Middle. halfway through, and one was the second match after intermission. Yeah. So it's like they did a great job. But in between there, we had some great stuff. I mean, Cole Raderick defending the uh, Extreme title was a great match. Mm-hmm. The main event six-way tag was awesome. Uh, the Alex uh, Cologne and Hunter Freeman didn't know we needed that match, but fuck yeah, glad yeah, we were in. here for I'm it. I'm in. So congratulations there. Uh, GCW Game Changer Wrestling will be taking a break this upcoming weekend. Yes. They will not be on television at all. The following weekend, though, when we'll, we'll be covering it, they will be back for the Chicago Summit. Uh, they will be part of the Black – them and Black Label Pro will be doing four-cup stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll also be doing a settlement series yep. uh, on Saturday for uh, IWTV. They'll also be doing uh, the Art of War Games 2 on Saturday night as well. Effie's Big Gay Brunch will go down and so much more. We will be covering all of that on next week's program. But, uh, yeah, this upcoming week, no Game Changer Wrestling. Make sure you're checking out independentwrestling.tv, though, because I know they'll have some bangers of shows up. And if you didn't watch the ones this week, you can always watch them this upcoming week as well. Yes. They're on demand. Might have to do maybe on Friday nights or something. Just do a quick tweet out to the top five uh, promotions to watch for the weekend. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of stuff going on. A lot of stuff. With that being said, though, that's going to do it for the mid-card of the show. We're going to take our final break. 
When we come back, it'll be time for the main event of this week's 607 TWS. And we are talking once again the inconvenient truth. But this time, it's WWE edition. So for all those people who didn't think we were going to go there, oh, we're going there. Because we call everything right down the middle. And we'll do that right after this final break. of this week's edition of 607 Podcast presents The Wrestling Show, better known as hashtag 607TWS. And we are back once again for the third and final installment of this group of them, of The Inconvenient Truth. If you remember, part one of Inconvenient Truth, we talked about the myth that AEW ever beat WWE. Because mm. it didn't. No matter how you want to cut it. I mean, I've heard this now perpetuated even by Eric Bischoff. Like, he said exactly what I said, so I don't know. Maybe he listens to the show. If you do, Uncle E, salute, salute. to you. But Because uh, he said the same thing. No matter how you can measure it, they didn't. No yeah. matter how you measure it. And definitely didn't. Not only they they have not, but they haven't. Even if they you argue one or two nights, which they do, you didn't do it consistently, so it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. You can do anything once. You can throw a dart blindfolded and hit a fucking bullseye, but you're not going to do it every time. Mm-hmm. So I digress. So part two, we talked about the Tony Khan myth. The Inconvenient Truth. How Tony Khan isn't really the savior and booker and promoter of the year. Doesn't mean he's a bad guy. Doesn't mean he's doing anything bad. But there's a lot of things to be desired. And it's a big disservice to, a if you're an AEW fan, mm-hmm. like us, like a, a lot of you out there, yeah. to keep blowing smoke up Tony Khan's ass and he just mails it in. Yeah. Especially where we are in the wrestling world right now. Mm-hmm. So we don't just pick on anybody. We talked shit about WWE in part one of Inconvenient Truth. Yep. It wasn't like it was a pro WWE thing. It was just saying, hey, they've never beat them. They got comfortable out of their laurels thinking of some lie, and that helped out to going to Inconvenient Truth part two. But here at Inconvenient Truth part three, we're going to talk about some Inconvenient Truths about world wrestling entertainment day. Right. And uh, I think that we'd be remiss to start off by saying the Inconvenient Truth is that some of the problems with world wrestling entertainment, not all. Some of them aren't all attributed to Vince McMahon. Right. Or his yes men or his society of that. I think a lot of times we like to argue that straw man, especially right now with Triple H taking over, things being on the rise, things are being fresh. That would, you know, the fresh coat of paint is always going to help anybody. And I'm mm-hmm. not saying anything bad because I think Hunter has a great mind for wrestling. So I think he's going to do tremendous. Right. There's a lot of people in wrestling smarter than me 
the Paul Heymans of the world, other wrestlers who have said, hey, I'd go to war for Triple H seven days a week. Anything he touches is going to turn to gold. Mm -hmm. And we know this to be true. Yeah. He surrounds himself by some of the best minds in the business. He listens. Uh, just came out this week, Scarlett. Scarlett Bardot said that one of the big differences between anywhere she's ever worked, whether it's independent or a major company, is that sometimes you get nervous to go talk to the boss because you never know what they're going to say to you. But she was like, the one thing about Triple H is he's always there. It's comforting. When you go talk to him, you feel like he cares. You know that he's invested. He'll give you honest criticism back and forth. Sometimes it's not. He doesn't sugarcoat. Mm -hmm. But it's honest criticism, and you know it, and it's coming from the right place. Right. And if you want to do something and you have something, you can pitch it to him, and he can. he'll work with you. I thought that was telling. And you yeah. hear that from a lot of people. All of that being said, everything that was wrong with WWE wasn't just the yes man, Vince McMahon dictatorship. Some of what was wrong with WWE, ready for it? The fans. Mm -hmm. The WWE universe, as they used to be known. I don't think, I think we're getting away from that. We're going back to wrestling fans, aren't we? So what I mean by this is when shit was at its worst. <laughs> yeah. They were still making money hand over fist. Mm -hmm. Somebody was buying that merch. Somebody was selling enough tickets, even whether they were sellouts or not is inconsequential. They were selling enough tickets that they weren't taking losses because if every night they were going and performing in front of half empty buildings and spending the money on these buildings, would they have made all that money kind of? No. Because they would have lost money in ticket sales. Mm. But sure enough, the last three years, it's been three years, actually almost four of record sales after record sales after record sales. Two years of record sales. Then last year was the first year breaking over a billion in profits. This year, they're also going to be over a billion in profits. Mm -hmm. So obviously, somebody was buying those shirts. Somebody was buying those tickets. Somebody was buying the meet and greets. Right now, if you go on to a WWE Live event, they have premium VIP packages. Do you know what those are, Ken M? No. So for a premium VIP package to a WWE live show or Raw SmackDown, you get to meet usually one to three WWE talents. Okay. You usually get some kind of souvenir thing. Like the chair like they used to do for pay-per-views? Sometimes. It changes up. Different ones are different things, but okay. some kind of souvenir. There's some kind of souvenir involved usually. Okay. And then last but certainly not least, the meet and greets are obviously photo and autograph sessions and, and talk to the, the stars. And you obviously get a front row ticket. Do you know how much these cost? Got to be a couple hundred bucks. Oh, man. oh, for live shows. Live shows. House shows. They're somewhere between $500 and $800. Uh, all right. That makes for sense. For live shows. For a tape show. For a live oh, to television, Raw SmackDown. A couple thousand. 1500 Okay. Because it's usually right around 1000 for a front row ticket. Yeah, I was going to say for big cities. Like yeah. Big cities like 1000 Smaller cities, $750, 800 mm -hmm. So it's, it's a fucking expensive ticket. Right. Say what you will. It's an expensive ticket, and they sell those tickets out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you, there's nobody. Once again, AEW sells them out too. But you got to put some of the onus on the universe. Right. Because obviously the universe was happy enough with the shit that was being shoveled in its mouth that it continued on. And I understand the IWC likes to think that they're the end-all, be-all. The wrestling journalists, with quotation marks, like to think that they're the end-all, be-all. Mm -hmm. The fans even like us who have opinions and give our opinions, like to think that it's us that they should be impressing. Right. I mean, I understand we know that we're not, but I'm just sure, saying. But, no, but the general well, consensus. The general is. consensus is the world revolves around you, right? Mm -hmm. So with that being said, we always thought they were doing it. No, I've always said it. The inconvenient truth is what I've been saying for years. They were celebrating to an audience that was paying more money than anybody else. Right. But yet we shit all over it. And that's fine. 
That's absolutely fine. That's why I didn't watch Raw for two and a half years. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I saw maybe like three SmackDowns in the same fucking period of time because it wasn't for me. But the universe marks, you are as much to blame. I'm not saying that in a bad way. Like, this is not like crucify somebody, but it's true. You can't say that it was all Vince McMahon. If you were happy to eat the shit he was shoveling in, you know, to go back and uh, remember when DX uh, parodied the Nation of Domination. Mm-hmm. Remember X-Pac was, was uh, doing Mark Henry? Mm-hmm. And he was like, his famous line was, I don't know what you're cooking, Rock. It smells like shit, but I'm going to eat it anyway. Yeah. That, that's what the universe was doing. Yeah, because that's all they do. They would just stay and watch it because it's WWE. It's the brand that's been built in their heads. So you must watch Monday you, or you must watch Friday. Exactly. And also the haters out there, your guys aren't completely clear of this either. You haters are tuning in for <laughs> five hours of WWE televised, not counting NXT. Right. We're just talking Raw and SmackDown. For the main five shows, Five hours yeah. of WWE television. Yeah. And that's adding to their ratings and their buying power with advertisers. That's why they're getting these multi-billion dollar deals Mm -hmm. for television and streaming. So, once again, the fans have to own some onus. Yeah. Am I wrong? No, you're absolutely right. I mean, but it falls back again. They've been conditioned to just tune in blindly. And that's the thing about it, because... You go in with the expectation that things are going to get better. And obviously, under the former regime, they weren't. They're just recycled and just going back and forth like on a Ferris wheel. That's the problem that they've had for so long. But now with Triple H coming in, it's the breath of fresh air. But how is that going to react to the audience that's already been conditioned to watch the program as it is? Agreed. Agreed. We'll talk about that in a minute because that's going to be one of the last ones I talk about. There's an inconvenient truth that involves something similar to that, Ken. Mm-hmm. But let's move on to another inconvenient truth. This is one that I love. And like I said, some of it's shits on WWE because this, this, this next one's going to be a shit on WWE. And it's also going to be a shit on the internet mm-hmm. because there's this inconvenient truth that WWE cannot build superstars. Right. And we've talked about this on the show before, but we'll say it again. That's a fucking myth mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, Roman Reigns, yep. Seth Rollins, yep. Randy Orton, mm-hmm. Kevin Owens, mm-hmm. Sami Zayn. This goes on and on. I could keep going. Drew McIntyre. Everybody you see on Monday, with the exception of now the injured Cody Rhodes. Mm-hmm. I would even argue AJ Styles to an extent. And the reason why I say that is here's the point. If you're out here defending AEW saying that they have homegrown talent, but you know, you know WWE's homegrown talent worked for Ring of Honor or PWG or Impact or blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. But you're out here claiming that your homegrown talent in AEW is Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks and uh, Cole Cabana or CM Punk, Chris Jericho. Well, they wouldn't argue those guys. But, you know, they all wrestled for those places, too. Exactly. Jungle Boy was wrestling for PWG. Mm -hmm. Right? Orange Cassidy wrestled everywhere in the indies. Right. The Bucks... And Kenny Omega wrestled all over the indies, PWG and stuff, but they also were more in Ring of Honor. In Ring of Honor. More famous from New New Japan, Japan. though. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. So you tell me if your homegrown talent, Darby Allen was wrestling for MLW, uh, MJF was wrestling for MLW prior, not to mention other indies prior. They were signed to MLW. There was a big stink about all of that when that went down, remember? Right. Mm-hmm. So you can't say that if, if you can say those are homegrown talents, then you have to ignore, you can't ignore the fact that all the people who came through WWE were homegrown stars. Yes. Prove it wrong. How is it wrong? You can't. I mean, that's Kevin like, Owens worked for Ring of Honor. 
Okay, well, cool. Uh, Kevin Steen worked for Ring of Honor. He became Kevin Owens. And yes, it's the same character for the most part. Yeah, just different name. But guess what? It's on a different stage. That is them, but that's them strapping the rocket to him, making him champion. He was a WWE champion. Mm-hmm. No, the only one that you could argue, you could make an argument somewhat for AEW homegrown talent is Wardlow. A little bit, a little bit. I don't think that I don't think he's worked anywhere of high, of anywhere like real noteworthy. So yeah. So I would say him, and then maybe Anthony Agogo. Yeah, but they saw but, what happened there. Yeah. So yeah, I agree. There's some. I'm not saying there's not, but right, right, we're, right, we're talking but, about but, the top tier. No, but the majority, heck, the majority of that roster's main event scene came from WWE. But here's the thing. I also want to point this out. You can't, you when it's a major company, mm-hmm. that's why I didn't count Cody. Even though Cody was originally in WWE, he became a star in Ring of Honor in New Japan and right. then created when AEW got, and became he, a main event. When eventer. he left, he became, yeah. Right, right, right. But AEW is where he first got the flourish on the main stage in the United States. That's why I cannot count him as a WWE talent. Mm-hmm. Impact is not on the same level as WWE. Let's be honest. Right. Ring of Honor is on the same WWE. It's the same as, you could say the same for AEW. They do better numbers than Impact and Ring of Honor did. Now that it's in-house, it's different, but still before. you know. So you can make those arguments mm-hmm. that if it's somebody that's not greater than you, technically speaking, you are giving that person the uh, stage. Right. The, sta- the, 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 the actor on stage makes the performance, mm-hmm. but the stage makes the difference. Right. Does that make sense? Because you can be Shakespeare on the tiny, like, we can put you here in the ODPH studio, and you could just do a Shakespeare performance in front of us, right in front of us, no real stage. Right. It could be fucking fantastic, but that doesn't matter because it wasn't in front of anybody. But then when we put you on stage at the Paramount Theater at Madison Square Garden, it's a whole, right. it's a whole story, different you know? ball of wax. So it's, 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 people have to remember that. So it's a dumb argument for people who says that AEW doesn't have grown stars because mm-hmm. they do. I consider Jungle Boy and uh, Orange Cassidy and, and the ilk, Hangman Page even, because their first real big company that they've been in in the United States and gotten exposure to that big stage is all the wrestling. Right. So it's true. Mm-hmm. On the same level, you have to say the same for WWE and its talent. Because without giving it, and then going further, there's guys like Roman Reigns who didn't spend much, hardly any time at all in the Indies. Right. So you have to count him automatically as the guy who was homegrown to guilt. Bray Wyatt, another guy, didn't spend a lot of time on the Indies. Right. Right to the front of the line. You see what I mean? So mm-hmm. the Miz. Yeah, Miz didn't spend any time in the Indies. So if you look at it, they're building stars now. But. People like to forget about that. That's right. an inconvenient truth to people, though. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a lot of people that WWE dropped the fucking ball on. Oh, yes, absolutely. You can turn your TV on on Wednesday nights to see some of them, and some of them are having the ball dropped on them again, which kind of sucks. Like, Sad but true. Not, it's inconvenient truth there. Sad but true. But other guys have gone off and done great things in the indies and overseas. Look at, like, Matt Cardona. Yeah. Became mm-hmm. the biggest name on the indies. WWE kind of dropped the ball on him because, you know, let's be honest, you know, whatever. So they did drop the ball, so it's not like they're infallible. Mm-hmm. But the inconvenient truth that they can't make stars is stupid. Right. They do it all the time. Same thing as saying AEW can't make stars because they have. We have evidence of those stars. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously people are interested in buying up Orange Cassidy merch for some fucking reason. Exactly. Right? So you can't discount. And you can't discount for either or. Once again, same, same. This is the same. Same, same. Next inconvenient truth. I got two more. This one's a good one, though. The next inconvenient truth is that... WWE and its shoddy production at times is a direct response to Vince McMahon. That is not because there's one man and one man only we can blame this on. And that is the man that looks like the human fucking beaver. (laughs) 
Oh my God. Like, I don't know how the man got a job, but he got a job mm-hmm. and he is single-handedly and still employed by WWE under Triple H. Yeah. So I understand when you complain about the shots, but once again, if the shots are what you're complaining about, you're not watching the product. You're not right. watching the wrestling. Right. I don't give a fuck what it looks like if the wrestling is good. Trust me. I've watched plenty of shit indie companies Shaky cam. to understand that that's the case, but Kevin Dunn. Yeah. And, and this is the inconvenient truth. That blame belongs all to fucking Kevin Dunn. Right. But for years, he's been the yes man of Vince McMahon and has allowed Vince McMahon to do things. God knows what he's been fucking party to and the reason he's kept his job. Don't know how long he'll be there. Hopefully, Triple H will get rid of him. Because mm-hmm. I think you need to go in a new direction. Right. However, let's give him his due. He has done some great things in the wrestling business. Oh, sure. Under his watchful eye, they have moved from being a multi-million dollar company to a multi-billion dollar company. Mm-hmm. So it can't all be wrong because once again, you have to do it. But let's be honest. The shit production is because of one man and one man only. Right. And that brings us to the last one. And this is the one that you AEW fans have been waiting for. I promise you this now. There is This is the biggest inconvenient truth. That what Triple H is doing, revolutionizing WWE, will be the home run win. Here's what I mean. Mm. WWE, the machine has been built upon the universe marks like we talked about earlier that I blamed. Right. WWE, even through its dark times and its worst times when we were all shitting on it, was making money hand over fist because there was this legion of fans that would buy and shovel whatever shit down their throat that they could. Mm -hmm. What happens now? These are the fans that wouldn't watch NXT because it didn't look like WWE. Now, Triple H is bringing that to the main roster. Triple H has got to do this neat little balancing act right now. Right. We're in a, in a time where for us on the internet and in this room and everywhere else, it's an exciting time. We're back into watching WWE, but here's the backlash. If Triple H goes too far off the reservation and, and, and appeases us on the internet too much, he's going to lose the base. That could be the most devastating thing for World Wrestling Entertainment. Right. If World Wrestling Entertainment fans, the universe, if you will, the drones, whatever the fuck you want to call them, if they turn away, WWE will fail because the machine only runs on those cogs, believe it or not. No, you're absolutely right. So we're in this interesting spot because what I see now is, yes, it's exciting for the IWC and for me and you and for other people to see what they're doing. But there's a lot of stuff that I'm, as I'm watching, I'm like, okay, it's getting a little too far out there. And I don't, and I'm for one, I'm for myself as a fan, I'm happy for it, but I keep going. If there's any way that WWE can fail, it's if they alienate the one party that will eat any shit you give it if it doesn't but if it doesn't look like what they want they'll shit on it that's why nxt never succeeded because the universe marks would not watch it because it was too much wrestling and not enough bullshit well that's the one thing that i think triple h is fully aware of and i think that he saw that when he took the l with moving nxt to wednesday nights he knows that now that he has the product the brand is already established and i think he's a smart enough businessman He's not going to tamper with that under any circumstance. He's going to run with it as much as he can. He's going to put his influence on it. But I think the ratings have shown thus far that people are still tuning in. So as long as the ratings stay up there, that's the best sign indicator. It's not a live and die number, but it's the best way to get the temp in the room. As long as those numbers are staying consistent, they'll be okay. But once they start dipping for reasons, Mm -hmm. then we'll really know the the WWE universe wants something else. Exactly. Well, here's the thing. You can still, as long as the show still comes with the entertainment package. I'm not saying sports entertainment because all, all wrestling sports. Sure. 
But as long as it still has enough talking and enough storyline, because that's what these fans watch for. Yeah. Even if it's a shit storyline, they watch for storylines. You think that's their biggest gripe about AEW is there's no storylines. Or the storylines are convoluted or they're bullshit, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. So and that's what, that was their problem with NXT because they were too simplistic. It wasn't enough soap opera for them. They've all they've all attached to the soap opera opposite. You know, a lot of these little hangovers, like you say, are from the Attitude Era. Yeah, that's a that's a really weird part about like the universe. They're from the Attitude Era and their kids, and they grew their kids on the Attitude Era. And the Attitude Era had terrible wrestling, terrible, occasional good match, but terrible wrestling for the most part. Oh, absolutely, it was all based on storylines that were kind of in hindsight bad. Oh, they're absolutely awful, but that was the one thing that a lot of the universe now grew up on. So that's all they know. Like for where you and I know about the Hogans and the Savages and, and the 80s era, that's where this universe is tuning into now, and they're the ones spending the money going to show. So they want that kind of vibe to it. But as we've seen, though, Triple H has come in three weeks now. We haven't seen that much of a real difference per se. I mean, we haven't seen more wrestling but we haven't seen like a big internal backlash or external, I should say. Well, that's because you're still keeping. He's still having the balance. So as yeah. long as he keeps the balance, I think we'll all be fine. Right. But there is a chance. Oh, there's a chance. The inconvenient, there's an inconvenient truth that is WWE's infallible. No, they are fallible. You just have to lose the universe. I think the worst thing that could happen is if AEW goes off TV because I think where Triple H is now being so motivated to make the product better, if he doesn't have real competition – that is where I think you can get sloppy with it. Well, that's good. That's true of anything. Right. That'd be true if WWE went away for AEW. Uh, the, 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 the end of the day, though, that's the biggest worry right now mm-hmm. for, for WWE. For me and you, the biggest worry is giving us a show that we can watch and it's palatable. Yeah. For them, which, again, we're fans, and everybody listening to this is fans. That's what we worry about. Mm-hmm. But what he has to worry about is serving the masters you have to serve. Right. And one of them is the majority of your built-in fan base. Now, once again, eventually down the road, I was teasing this earlier, we are going to go to an inconvenient truth in, in the future in an op-ed about how people don't think there's such thing as casual fans. Well, the numbers on Raw have been going up. The casual fan is real. Right. And that is the fan that somehow AEW needs to be able to mark into. And those casual fans don't necessarily care about great storytelling but they care about some storytelling. Mm -hmm. Like a casual fan is somebody, and I I was told this a long time ago by a great man named Steve King. When he first told me about doing stuff in the wrestling business, he said, and I quote, anytime it's a good show, you should know, because if you turn on a wrestling match, you should know the basic premise of the story within 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. You should always know within 30 seconds, minute tops, what the basic premise is. You should know who the face is. You should know who the heel is. You should know, you know, those basics. Because you have to know who you're supposed to root for. Right. So you should know who the heel. You should know if they're both baby faces. You should know if it's just a dream match of some sort. You should know between the action in the ring and the commentary in the first 30 seconds to a minute. Mm-hmm. Without commentary, it's usually a minute. With commentary, it should be 30 seconds. Right. Of turning it on anytime. I should know who the good guy is, who the bad guy is, who I should be rooting for. Mm-hmm. If you can't decipher that you in failed. 30 seconds, people will change the channel. Mm-hmm. Now, imagine if they can't decipher that after one full match. Imagine if they can't decipher that. Because what storytelling in wrestling does is gets you invested to come back. Sure. You can have all the dream matches you want. You can have all the single one-off. That's the one thing in indie wrestling. That's why indie wrestling isn't as popular as it should be. Mm-hmm. You would see a ton of great wrestling action in indies, but a lot of them aren't telling real stories. They're telling small stories here and there for the local groups, but they're living by bringing in said guy for a month and whatever. So what real storyline are you doing? Right. You're putting your top guy in your local fed against a top guy you're bringing in from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And you're having a great match for your audience. Well, 
wrestling fans who love wrestling like you and I, we eat that up because we love it. Sure. Because we just want to see the wrestling. Exactly. However, if you're a fan who wants to see a story, it's not going to be for you. Because there's going to be some stories in this match or that match, but for the most part, it's we're bringing a guy in. And now in the indies, it's even even more convoluted because most indies they don't even book face versus heel. No, it's just a lot of times it's just a, a whole shit of gray. It's like throw a name against the wall and hope it's six. Yeah, sometimes you know. So it's an interesting place on televised wrestling. I really believe you need a story there. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean you can't do face versus face or oh heel sure, but it's, it's got to make sense. But there has to be a story. There has to be an overarching story and where you're going to, and you have television time to do so. Mm-hmm. So you should be doing that because you know what it does? It gets somebody invested. If I tune in and I'm like, oh man, this this guy versus this guy and this guy versus this guy, man, those are fucking great stories. I'm going to tune in next week to see where the next part of the story is. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to tune in the next week to see where the next part of the story is. It's just like reading a comic book. Yeah. If you pick up a comic book that's good and you read a comic book and you're issue one, oh man, I can't. Can't wait till next month in issue two. Yeah. And issue two comes out. You read through it as great again, and there's a cliffhanger. Oh, man, I can't wait for issue three. So every month, you know, it's a five or six issue run for five or six. If the comic book has done its job, you're going to be there every month picking that comic book up to see where it goes next. Right. If the comic book doesn't, how many times have you read a first issue of an arc and been like, I'm oh, out. this is trash. Yep. Do you read the other five issues? Hell no. Do you read the Do you read the next, you know, whatever? Hey, I would say like this, if you read enough, if it's trash enough, do you even go back to that comic book even after that arc's over? No, unless a creative team switch. Right. Because sometimes you go, oh, fuck. I don't want to. That was trash. I don't want to read more trash. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that's normal. TV's the same. When you're watching episodic, episodic television, it's the same. Yeah. If you're watching, you know, the new Game of Thrones show, <laughs> we'll make it good. If it, the first episode's good and it leaves you on a cliffhanger, you're going to watch episode two. Mm-hmm. If, if that's good, you're going to watch episode three. But if it if it sucks, if episode one's shit or episode two shit, you're not tuning in episode three. Right. You know, sometimes you'll give it one or two shows at the most. Same with a book or something. You might give it one or two issues. But by, if, if one or both are shit or questionable, you're not going to keep reading. Same thing with a TV show. And wrestling falls into that. Yeah. So you have to make sure you're bringing that audience back. That is where the marks come in. That's where the universe marks, if you will, come in. They were eating shit. So as long as you can give them palatable stories, well, giving good wrestling to the wrestling fans, if you can serve both masters, which I think Triple H can, mm-hmm. so far so good. We'll see of the future. But if you can do that, you'll be fine. Yes. But if you start sacrificing that story for the mark, the universe mark, while exercising the wrestling going up, that audience might turn away. Yeah. And is the is the wrestling fan going to cover that audience? I don't think they are. No, they're not. I mean, that's you, there's no way you can cover that pop culture audience. I mean, that's why I always refer to them as it's that window of opportunity you have. You got to capitalize on, but you but you can't falter with with a stutter step here and there and consistently. Yeah, it's it's a weird it's a weird balancing beam, and that could be a fell that could be that could be a real detriment to WWE going forward. We'll see. So far, so good. But once again. Well, we're still, we're still in the honeymoon phase. I mean, that's right. the one thing it's going to come down to. But that's why I said, like, we have to start taking a look at it within, like, the three-month quarter quarter reports. Like, maybe one thing we'll do is just look at it from the quarter point of when it started, three months from now. What did they do well? What did they not do well? And just that's what you have to measure at. But like I say, the overall way to get the temp in the room, and I hate saying it because we always say ratings don't matter and they really don't, 
but that is the only way you can get a it's good attempt. It's, it's a temp. You, you shouldn't use it as, the, as a fan. You shouldn't use that as your end all be all because that doesn't prove shit as a fan. Right. What you like proves what you, you know. Art, like we say every week, art is subjective. Uh huh. So therefore, if you like the art, you're gonna like it no matter what the rating is. Yeah. The rating could be shit. Doesn't matter to you. Uh, but it is a good way to gauge what other people are thinking of it. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, that's something that we have to watch. So as long as Raw is staying high around those that 2.0 range, and we'll see when football comes into. I mean, that's going to play a factor as well, well. The real telling thing in wrestling is 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 an interesting beast, especially WWE. We can get back in around Survivor Series time and go, okay, here's where we are from SummerSlam to Survivor Series, and then from Survivor Series to Royal Rumble, and then from Royal Rumble to Mania. Mm-hmm. Those builds are what's going to actually show you what the company's doing because those are the big shows they're building towards. And then from Royal Rumble to Money in the Bank, Money in the Bank to SummerSlam, some of them are shorter, some of them are longer, but those are the shows that they're building towards. Yes. So as they're going into the build for the next big show, in that's one thing that AEW could borrow from. They really need to start building towards the next big show. Yes. They have four major pay-per-views a year. Everything should be building towards that next pay-per-view. And I don't know all the time if it is. Because once again, we are getting two pay-per-views in a row. And I know WWE's done it in the past, but once again, we bitched about when WWE did it. Mm-hmm, sure. So we're going to bitch about when AEW does it. You're giving us the same match, two ma- two pay-per-views in a row. WWE did it, it was bad. I don't like that. Even if the match is good between Rosa. Doesn't matter. It's still the same principle. And, and, and Tony Storm, it's it's still two, t- two matches in a row. I don't want to see that, two pay-per-views in a row. Especially when you only have four pay-per-views a year. So half of your pay-per-views this year, half of your pay- – well, technically it was a bonus show because it was – If you want to cover Forbidden Door. So 15% of your pay- – or 20%, sorry. 20% of your pay-per-views this year have featured Thunder Rosa versus Tony Storm. Yeah. Because two out of five, if you count it that way. So yeah. 20%, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. not That's not a good take. No, it's not, and that's something that for a fan base that gets it's very fickle in this market, and especially has a very forgettable memory. You really have to wow them now, and if you're relying that they won't remember that, oh, they do because if something looks very familiar, they'll tune in and tune right out. And for those of you who are not thinking I'm going to criticize it, yes, it's the same way I felt about Brock versus Roman. Oh, absolutely, times. absolutely. So no matter how you cut it, WWE's been guilty of it for many times. Yeah. So we'll see where they go forward. And I'm not saying you can't have the same match because eventually people are going to face each other again. Oh, sure. But, but like two back-to-back is fucking... The time. The timeline of it is very, very skeptical. I mean, that's why we say for them doing it and repeatedly too now because they did it with Thunder Rosa earlier this year. They're doing it now again with her. I feel that's a very big disservice. And for WWE, I mean, yeah, they, they've done this with Brock and Roman countless of times. And that's something that we always criticize them for, as they should be. You want to make sure that you're offering a, a product very that's very fresh to your consumer because otherwise they're going to tune out. So that's all well, goes back to the importance of Moxley and Punk this week. If that falls flat, why are you going to spend 50 bucks to watch it get ran back? That's the ultimate gamble that he's going to have to run with this. Absolutely. Well, that's going to do it for The Inconvenient Truth Part 3. Next week's main event, of course, will be uh, both uh, Clash of the Castle and AEW's all-out preview. We're going to do them both in the main event because why give one over the other? Mm-hmm. Of course, in the middle card, mid card next week, we're going to be previewing everything going on at the Chicago Summit there for G- Game Changer Wrestling, Black Label Pro, uh, Effie's Big Gay Brunch, and more. And of course, you know, in that opening cut segment, we'll always be doing the recap and news. But before we take off for the day, Ken M. Tell the fine folks once again how to find you in the ODPH podcast. 
Very simple. Swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join the conversation on social media accounts. They're all right there on the front page. Check out Parley Points. New blogs count anywhere is up right now. So definitely talking a little more about AEW. Talking Impact Wrestling and talking Circle 6 this week. They're making some big moves, so we definitely want to show some attention to them. Uh, the T Public Store, the classified section where you can find friends of the show, such as 3FN Podcast. The directory where we have every single podcast provider that you can find the ODPH on right there. It's so, it's so easy to drop a follow there. And, of course, patreon.com slash ODPH podcast. For anything and everything that is the ODPH, you can find it at ODPHpodcast.com. Game is simple. 3FNpodcast.com. All information about 3FNers podcast or 3FN podcast. Yeah, I did it again. Uh, but with that being said, uh, social medias are right there. Patreon, patreon.com slash 3FNpodcast right there. Twitch channel link is there. Friends of the show link is there. Everything is there. So 3FNpodcast.com for all your 3FN podcast needs. Well, we've come to the end of the show once again. On our way out, we'll uh, turn out the lights for all of you by playing our good friend's second suitor. The song is called One Winged Angel. We end the show with it each and every week as fitting. Uh, show note, next week, <laughs> we will not be coming to you on uh, the Monday morning like you're used to. We're not going to be our Monday morning quarterback selves because we won't be recording until Tuesday because mm-hmm. of work and shit. So... The show will be coming to you Wednesday morning. Uh, that's the tentative because I'm assuming we'll be doing it at Tuesday night. So either I'll get it out Tuesday night if I can get it edited quick enough. If not, it'll be Wednesday morning. So that's a little show note for next week. But until then, for myself, for Ken M, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and most importantly, later wrestling fans! <laughs> towards me a smile
smile I see Connect from the top ropes One, two, three 